Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of MCG Rants. I'm Tan and Grace, as always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam, but we have a special guest today, Ross. I mean, at this point, how special is he really? I mean, wow. I think we do it. Holy shit, special guests, huh? Huh? I think we do it infrequent enough that it is a special guest, but I do think people kind of come to expect it when it's something like this. Because uh, some big news in the world of Pioneer today, and how could we spread that news and talk about the ramifications of it without having the Pioneer guy himself, Tandy, a.k.a. Todd Anderson. Welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, glad to be here, Tannen. Thanks for having me. Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Well, that, that's Normal yeah. day in Roanoke. Yeah. I mean, what, we're going to go to trivia tonight, right? We are actually because I, a softball, softball is got canceled, canceled from the rain. See, now I'm just jealous. Or like, just canceled for lack of players. Yeah, lack lack of players. Apparently, we've had some COVID strikes among our teams. So, oh, maybe I'll stay I home wanna, then. Holy jeez! I want to go to I want to go to trivia. I want to play softball. Like I want to yeah. do. Both. Like I'm so jealous. Well, we were talking about this off stream, but you could just move, Tannen. That's that a is thing very that true. You can do, and it's fun here. We do backyard barbecues. Everyone gets jealous. COVID, and then we do another backyard <laughs> barbecue, and then everyone gets COVID again. It's great. I have. I was about to say. I'm pretty sure you you haven't had it yet, right? I have not, luckily. Although I did drink once uh, out of a fireball bottle after Corey Baumeister when he was guaranteed to had it, and then no one who drank after him out of the fireball bottle got sick. So now we're just confident that fireball sterilizes. You yeah, know, it's just it's alcohol, right? Yeah. yeah. Have you alerted the CDC? Yeah, <laughs> we solved it. Yeah. We solved it. Everybody's just taking showers and fireball. Yeah. Everybody trade your ivermectin in for fireball. I get to see it. It's like those. Um, it's like the movies. You know, whenever people are in labs and they get uh, they get doused in something, they have to go get under the shower in the lab. You know, and you have to get like yeah. this all the stuff sprayed on you so you get decontaminated. Like that's oh, yeah. it's just gonna be that, but it's gonna be fireball. <laughs> and people like Todd are gonna go. Can I go again? I want to go yeah. again. <laughs> another another round of spritzers. Let's go. <laughs> I was gonna say. I think we. This this sounds great. Where do we sign up for this? Can um, we? Uh, we should have invested in in Fireball stock before making this announcement. Okay. Well, the, the we can, this isn't live, live Ross. We can yeah. just go do that right now. Hold on. Hold, hold my beer. <laughs> Where's the the Nasdaq? Where's Fireball under? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I believe uh, their stock symbol is TSTY. Okay. There you go. Cool. Cool. I was gonna say now. Ross, we could ask you what you've been up to, but nobody really cares. Todd, what have you been up wow. to? Wow. No, I care. Ross, what have you been up to know, other joking. than softball? Oh, normal Roanoke things. Yeah. Bought a new oh. wallet yesterday because nice. I put mine through the wash. Yeah. Did, did you get I a haircut? Actually, you look like you got mm, a haircut. I did get a haircut last week, finally. Nice. I had good. I had a haircut scheduled for like three months ago, and I realized a week out that I had accidentally scheduled it for a weekend I wasn't going to be here. Nice. And so I canceled that and then rescheduled, then overslept for the appointment and then rescheduled for a third time. And the place I go to is booked like a month out all the time. So there was some lag between all the rebooking. So I finally got in for a haircut. My hair was way too long. Well, I got a guy, if you want uh, a recommendation, he cuts my hair every time. And Tannen always uh, compliments my hair every time he sees me. So I figured maybe he's doing good. Tana complimented most- my hair before you got yeah. on the call, Todd. So uh, I was on the call before you. Uh, well, we had no. one before that. Yeah, ah, double business call. We had a mm-hmm. we had a secret first call. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. we had to make sure that this was kosher. They were like, "Do we want Todd?" No, I'm joking. But like, yeah. So was- <laughs> I- I'm doubly jealous. Like Ross looks good, right? Like his hair looks great. You know, the fresh cut look. And then I'm just jealous of your hairline, Todd. Like you have this. You have like 
a freaking mop. You can't on top see of your me head. right now, chat, but I am going back and forth, waving my hair. He's doing the, the model thing, you know, the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the flip, the, the two, hair flip. The early 2000s hair swoop, you know, like you do the I, swoop, <laughs> the, the swoop yeah. across. You You're know, like borderline your emo if you just cut it like the tiniest bit on just one side, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so like, no, I'm just jealous because like I'm starting to I'm starting to lose it a little bit, you know. It's starting to recede, and like you're over here. I mean, how much younger are you than me? Like two years? Yeah, like two, three years. I, yeah. I'm thirty. I just turned thirty six. Okay, well, I'll be thirty eight this year. So yeah, God, right. we were just talking about this earlier. We are so old. Ross, what are you? Thirty one? Yeah. <sighs> Thank God. I I wish. I'm thirty three. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, for some reason, like you. So when I turned thirty, you were like mid twenties or whatever, and I was just like. I've always assumed that you were at like thirty or under. Even now, I'm like, ah, oh, he's probably thirty. You know? No, I haven't been thirty for a while. Right. I I turned thirty the weekend that I won the Open with Is It Phoenix. That feels like forever ago to me. It Is that Baltimore? Like yeah, yeah, it was Baltimore yeah. in December of 2018. Yeah, I remember I had to leave and I was watching it on the plane. Like I was like on the, on yeah. the plane or whatever, like watching it on my phone or whatever. But and, uh, and because it was pre-pandemic, it was technically twelve years ago. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So I'm 42. It's like well, whenever anybody like who's a fan of the show, they find out that you're five years younger than me, they freak out. They're like, there's no way. <laughs> like, everybody thinks I'm five years younger than you. And I'm like, no, you're, you have it backwards. Like, I'm actually old, and Ross is just acts and looks and sounds old. Looks, I'm sorry. Acts and sounds old. <laughs> you, actually look, you actually look pretty young here. But. Yeah. Well, the, you know, fresh haircut is a pretty easy way to You look to less shave homeless. You look more... Your your age, so I yeah. saw I saw some pictures of Ross during lockdown, and I gotta say, homeless is a perfect descriptor for what he looks like. Yeah, you know, not but like unkept. <laughs> yes, just just the scraggles, you know, yeah. mono scraggly. I could show you some pictures from my early days on the SEG tour where you could put, you could just side by side me with the caddy from Happy Gilmore and not tell the difference. <laughs> I can show you pictures of early days of me on the SCG tour. I just look exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. I've looked exactly the same. Like, there was this Paul Rudd of the SCG tour. Yeah, exactly, right? There's this point, like, 12 or 14 years ago where I started looking like I do now. Because, like, if you look at my, like, my Grand Prix Top 8 photo, you, that does not look like me at all. Like, it, it, it's just not me. Part of that is the unfortunate facial hair. Yeah, the unfortunate facial hair is really, really bad. I have, like, the, the stoner goatee, like, going on. You know, it's like Van Dyke. It's more than what Todd's got now, you know what I mean? But it's just there. It's like I have a chia pet on my chin, you know, kind of look. But then, I don't know, someday I started looking like this, and just I've looked like it ever since, so. Well, there are worse things to look like than a freaking movie star tenant. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other teammate. That's the one that's missing. We Andrew Garfield couldn't be here today. I'm sorry, Brendan DeCandio couldn't be here today. <laughs> Wasn't it you that actually started saying that? And I was like, you're just 100% right. When you were doing coverage, you are like, he looks like Spider-Man or whatever. I think it was you. It might have been me. That I, sounds like a top thing to say. I, I got. I have to fill a lot of time whenever, <laughs> whenever we're uh, doing coverage because there's just so much downtime between sideboarding mm. and stuff. Oh, tell and me so, more. Uh, and so, when, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so whenever you know someone's on camera and I know them, I just like to say things, and you know he definitely just looks like Andrew Garfield, kind of. So there you go. Yeah, I remember you you uh, deemed me the most adequate thing I've ever heard in my life. You called me, I'm going to wait till you're not drinking so you don't spit out your drink or whatever here. It was the the walking fist bump emoji, I think is what you called <laughs> it. And I was like, 
That's literally the best thing. Like, it's yeah, the most man, accurate thing anyone's ever said about me ever. The only reason I remember it uh, is you were doing it's the fucking hilarious. You were doing the old <laughs> match. Yeah, that too. You were doing the old matches the other day, and uh, you watch a match between me and uh, what does she go by now? What is Cass? Is it uh, Cass? Cass Money Millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, Cass Money Millionaire. She. Um, Castellan, I think. Yeah, Castellan. Uh, we you did a match between us, and you talked about it like in the match. I think you broke Ryan like nice. while you were doing it in coverage. So, who cares about what actually happened to Magic today? How about we just tell stories the whole day and talk shit? Like this, this sounds great. I mean, so we one time at band camp. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. You yeah, have to do there. and we're gonna lose our sponsor. Thanks for Bear Shark Band. Oh, speaking of bandings and losing and losing stuff, let's go ahead and just talk about that just a little bit because that's the reason uh, that Todd is here today with, with Ross and I. And if you hadn't heard yet, uh, we're we're recording this. What is this about uh, three forty five y'all's time p.m. on a Tuesday? Uh, we got an announcement today about some bandings in Pioneer. Uh, two pretty big, impactful cards have now been banned. Winota, an expressive iteration. I'm a little surprised by expressive iteration. The fact that like I'm just surprised that they actually did it. If you listen to the show quite a bit, uh, Ross knows that I've been on banning that card for quite a while. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's just too good. And we've seen, um, is it just be dominant in probably almost every format, or some form of is it be dominant in every format since that card's been printed, and that's a big reason why. And then we've had Wynota get banned, which is just a pretty awful play experience. So like that's the overall thing. That's been going on here. Todd, I know you've been talking about these things for quite a while and uh, screaming into the void. You've been having articles <laughs> about it. Yeah, well, screaming into the void is apt because ever since we got Lego from Star City, I just post everything on my Patreon and uh, I just get to say whatever I want now. It's like kind of like me unfiltered. And uh, I literally like two weeks ago, they banned Winota in Explorer because it was too good. And they were like, oh, the smaller card pool means that it can't, no one can keep up with it, and yada yada. And I just thought to myself, they don't even have eight Llanowar Elves. They only have four. Like, Winota is a thousand times better with an extra Llanowar Elf, so like, if it's too good for there, you should definitely just go ahead and ban it. But my, my, the name of the article was, just fucking ban Winota already. <laughs> did it have like the star or something? Like, did you have oh, like yeah. the, oh yeah, oh yeah. Sorry, wait, let me let Banwinota and Pioneer right fucking now. That's what yeah. I said. There when you go. said uh, it's like Todd unplugged or whatever, or would you say unfiltered or whatever? Unfiltered, yeah. I, I just kind of want somebody to uh, create like a banner for your thing. And it's like, remember MTV unplugged? And it always be the guys like on the chairs. <laughs> they just need a picture of you with like the guitar and someone superimpose your head yeah. over it or whatever. And there we go. We got Todd unplugged. I don't know, Ross, what, what do you think about the bannings, man? I, I want to hear what you have to say, because you, you're always a smart guy, and you, you're very anti-ban most of the time. So. Were. Emphasis so on the past tense. If, okay. if, you, if you listen to um, uh, our recent episodes, we've talked about a little bit about Pioneer. I think somebody asked us about it uh, from a mailbag, maybe. Um, and I've been in favor of banning Wynota for a little while now, just uh, for the main reason that I think it greatly restricts the amount of viable aggressive decks that exist in Pioneer, because Wynota is just so much better than all of them, now that it doesn't have significant mana base issues like it used to, um, and now that it's less reliant on you know Wynota itself, it could just win games casting Tovalar's Huntmaster and Azika's Chariot. So I was very happy to see Wynota banned. Like Tannen, I'm I was surprised to see Expressive Iteration banned, but ultimately happy, so I think this is perfect. Uh, expressive iteration, you know, yes, it is. It is incredibly good, 
Um, you know, I, I saw the social media discussion recently about it being, you know, potentially better than Dig Through Time. Oh yeah, who posted yeah. that one? Yeah, that was uh, that was you. Yeah, it was you. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but uh, uh, and the the thing that gets me with expressive iteration uh, is a little bit deeper than that. So the these blue X, you know, cantrip decks basically exist in every non-standard format, right? Especially now that we have Consider and Pioneer. Um, so well, they they existed in Standard too in the Dragons deck and stuff like that. Like yeah, the, they, those decks have been around for you yeah. know months or a year now. The, they, the blue they, deck they, is the best deck in Standard by a wide margin right now too. Yeah, yeah. they've existed. They existed in different times in Standard, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes right, they do. Right. They basically permanently exist in in the yeah. other formats. Um, and they're always you know good archetypes for uh, a lot of reasons that are beyond the purview of this cast. Um, but the one of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand about those decks is that red has always been the ideal color pairing because red removal is a lot easier to just spew and get into your graveyard. Whether you need to fill your graveyard for delve, uh, you know, cast it to get prowess, um, or cast it because you had to exile it with expressive iteration, all these different, you know, ways that sort of force your hand in terms of wanting to cast your spells proactively. The fact that red removal is the most proactive because you can often aim it at planeswalkers or aim it at, um, you know, uh, aim it at any creature, even if it's not going to fully kill it or aim it at your opponent's face, depending upon, you know, what exactly it does. Um, uh, you know, allows you a lot more flexibility in leveraging the various you know spells, matters, mechanics that your blue X cantrip deck is leveraging. So, if you're going to print a card like Expressive Iteration, which is an excellent card in those style of decks, uh, it has to absolutely not be in. Is it? It has to be in another color to try to balance the natural advantage that red has as the best support color. So if, like, an expressive iteration-style effect were printed in Demir, um, you know, or Simic, obviously they wouldn't do the same things as iteration. Flavor-wise, that wouldn't make sense. But something similarly powered and that did something similar, you know, I think it would have been a lot more palatable because it would have created some actual tension in how to build your decks. You know, do I go for weaker removal and interaction in order to gain this really powerful piece of card advantage? Do I just go for the better removal? Do I try to destroy my mana base and get access to all of it? Um, and that actually creates some interesting deck building decisions and probably creates an archetype that is now subdivided into a bunch of you know different sub archetypes. Uh, and that can be relatively healthy for a metagame. But now what they did was just create one where is it is way too fucking good. Well, see what I think you, you kind of hit it on the head, uh, but I wanted to, to go a little further. The the thing with is it specifically is that blue decks that want to play Thing in the Eyes or Prowse Creatures or Ledger Shredder, they want to play like the cheapest curve possible. And Expressive Iteration naturally lends itself to cheap curves because you want to cast it on turn three, hit a land and a one-drop spell so you can play everything. And um, the fact that is it is already the best color combination to play that type of game plan because all of the red removal costs one mana there's so much good variable 
you know, conditional removal out of red, but it all costs one mana. And so you can play like Phoenix with Lightning Axe, or you can play Prowess with Strangle. Or if you have to kill creatures that go to the graveyard, you can, or like you, they, you know, get better when they go to the graveyard, you can exile them with things like Flame Blast Bolt. So you just have a lot of variability when it comes to your removal. And that's why you see all these blue red decks, they play like, you know, seven, eight different one mana removal spells, but there's, you know, four different cards among those nine or 10 removal spells. And, um, and that's just not something you can do when you play Demir, you know, your fatal push is like the best one. Then you have to go to blood chief's thirst. And, and then you start to see that like, it's not that efficient. It's not that good. They don't kill big creatures. They can't com combine to kill big creatures. And also you don't get to play expressive iteration. So, yeah. And I think your point about iteration, you know, uh, lending itself to a deck with a cheap curve, um, is a good one because it's the kind of card that saves people from themselves. You know, we always see people building their decks poorly and putting too many, you know, two and three mana cost cards in their like, is it prowess decks um, either because they want more versatility or they just like the card. They think it's powerful when in reality they should be opting towards efficiency. And those players learn you know, or get really punished for those mistakes once they put iteration in their deck and it sort of forces them to build their decks correctly I think that was a big reason why Luris was, you know, as good as it was, is because it also just forced people to build that, their decks in the way they probably should have been building them, or at least yeah. more towards that end, uh, building them, that, you know, than they were. Uh, and Iteration certainly did that as well. Um, you know, the red removal, yeah, that's a sort of a quirk of Pioneer as it exists. You, you could imagine formats where black has more diverse removal uh, and things like that, but the fact that red does have, you know, really strong diverse removal at one mana relative to the other colors, you know, is really good. Obviously, like, white wouldn't have good removal for enabling any sort of delve cards. Um, you know, green doesn't really get removal at all, though that's somewhat changing a little bit. Um, so you're really mainly deciding between red and black. Uh, the main advantage of black, obviously, being discard spells, but those have been an, always been an awkward fit with treasure crews and those kinds of card advantage cards because they encourage you to play a longer game and the discard spells you know get worse as the game goes goes along well, treasure cruise also incentivizes interacting with the battlefield right like you want to be the yeah. one spending all your mana to interact with your opponent via the battlefield so that the turn where you cast treasure cruise there's a clear board if you cast treasure cruise or dictator time on a clear battlefield it's going to be so hard for an opponent that's playing creatures to be able to catch back up because you're just refueling after trading one 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 you know on removal spells and like them having to basically immediately respond by putting two more creatures or three more creatures on the battlefield just makes it such an uphill battle yeah very very true and another good point so you know all this amounts to red just being the best color pairing for these blue cantrip decks so like why is this expressive iteration card given in, in blue red you well, know let's, let's be realistic though the, the only thing this mess up about expressive iteration is that you can play the land a lot of those cards that are built like Expressive Iteration do not let you play lands. It just says say okay, cast. It should just say cast. Yeah, most yeah. of them most of them do, but this one is templated more like Light of the Stage. And so like it was more built for that style of deck, but like I didn't even notice like that card was not one of the big ones that was released early to be previewed or was it? No, 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 no. It was. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I didn't mean to okay. like interrupt you, but when we did, you know, every time a set comes out, we do our top eight, you know, our yeah. top eight cards. Yeah, yeah. 
And when we did it, Ross, did you even have it? You had expressive veneration on yours, maybe? Yeah, and I remember saying, like, I could get burned by this, but I've been burned by two mana cantrips in the past before, so I'm being (laughs) a little bit more reserved on this one. And you were like, nah, I'm not being reserved. Just slammed it in the one spot. So we do do something similar on Star City, like a top five thing, and Jerry Thompson was the only one who put it in his five. I didn't even, I've never even seen the card. It was just buried in the uncommons. So I went and looked at it and read it, and I was like, holy shit, this lets you play the land. So like I put it in, I put it in as my number one and we talked about it on the show. And I remember as I was talking about it and talking it out with Ross, you could see like, you know, Ross is very expressive when you're like talking to him. You can tell that he's actually thinking about what you're saying. You could see him like come to my side and even yeah. said it towards the end. And I was like, this is the best card in the set. And I don't mean this is in like, it's slightly better than the second card. I mean, it is miles ahead of the second best card in the set. I was like, it's going to be in every format. It's going to get played in every format. And it's going to be an all-star in every format. Especially when I explained it, I was like, yeah, man, you could just play the lands. You could play this on turn three. You know, like, obviously on turn two, it's not a great card. But every turn after that, this card is insane. When you start to think of all the decks that can play it. I even talked about playing it in Legacy. When When they banned Ragavan... I spent 10 minutes on the show bitching about the fact that I would have rather them apl- uh, banned Expressive Veneration than banned Ragavan, and that you would have had a bigger impact of what they were trying to do in that format. I'd rather ban Days. That maybe that's I, controversial. I'm scared of them banning that card. That's, a, like, whole, like that's okay, a whole episode. But they're, yeah, they're yeah. always going to... Okay, that's fair. I won't get too into it. They're yeah, yeah, always going to have to ban a threat because yeah. Days is able to protect it. And that's, like that's the problem is the shell yeah. is too good. Yeah, right. no, I, I'm right there with there, you. I believe that. There's storms and spell pierces and shit and so, force of will and force negation. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's enough. I worry about, is fucked up though. Oh, I 100% agree with you. I worry about what a format is going to look like without days in it. And it's, it's always been funny exactly to be the same. Just well, it's always been funny to me that some of the people that are the biggest proponents of banning days are the people who really like playing like like the all in turn one or turn two decks like storm. And stuff, I and I'm just like, I like playing days. Yeah, but of I know, but I was too good. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just like, I think it's funny that these are the yeah. people who like, you know, uh, shout on Twitter and stuff, and you know, shout into the void as I say it, like, oh, this card's too good, get rid of it, get rid of it. And I'm like, you do realize that, like, while it takes Watsi a year and a half to figure anything out in Legacy and do something about it, that if we ban days, it's probably getting your deck banned eventually too. Like, that's probably the next thing is like once Storm starts winning turn one a little too consistently or turn two yeah. consistently, like that's a problem in the format but the thing about me with expressive iteration and you guys just absolutely nailed this and to kind of put it down into like a little thing for everybody is the card is too good on turn three through x yep through the entire game it's it's way too good what, the, what percentage of the time do you think it's just two mana ancestor recall i mean well, it's never ancestor recall it only gets two cards well uh, the third card can be used in some way or not oh yeah i guess you can't use it actually um it's a two yeah. mana draw two that has no, but, but you have to look at the three but cards. But it's way better though. than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, like it's, significantly it's a better. Draw two. That's extremely better than that. Like, I actually so when whenever I was talking about expressive iteration like a month ago with Callie, I, I was talking about I was trying to hammer out my ban list of what I would ban to help fix Pioneer. And I asked Callie, I was like, you know, do you think a card that was just blue red draw two cards? Do you think that would be too good? And she thinks about it. And she's just like, no, I don't think so. And I was just like, I think you're right, but also it doesn't exist. There's no two mana draw twos straight up that exists without having some pretty significant drawback, especially not for blue. Divination always costs three. You know, you always have to like draw two, discard one with Charter Chorus or whatever. Yeah, Charter Chorus, yeah. And, but Expre- Expressive Iteration is the closest to a draw two for two that we're ever going to get, and it's way better. Yeah, but the, with so. Charter Chorus, 
oftentimes decks are using that discard to good effect. So yeah, it's, right. that's but probably... Was, sure, that, sure. That's actually a draw two, probably, but slightly better. But that's Expressive Iteration is a draw though, two, right? but yeah. a lot better. So, right. like, how, how, how close is that to a draw three? It is it's like, not, though. So, like, the yeah. thing sure, is, is, like... No, but filtering away a dead yeah. card kind of counts sometimes. And yeah, I, you filtering know, away a dead card counts. Uh, discarding a Phoenix, obviously great. Or something with flashback, whatever. Something, yeah. give yourself delirium, whatever. Obviously, that's great. I'm not here as a Charter Course hater. But yeah. Any point in, at any point in time in the game where you're not actively using the discard, Expressive Iteration is miles better than that card because the third card yeah. is that much more important. Yeah. Also, not to mention any time you're top decking late in the game because like in a lot of the decks where you're playing Expressive Iteration or Charter Course, you're actually incentivized to play out your lands, right? Like you want to cast these big expensive spells. You want to be able to cast three or four spells in a turn so you can flash back, I'm sorry, so you can bring back your Phoenixes, right? Yeah. So like holding a land sometimes kind of sucks. And then, like, you don't want to pitch a spell on turn six when it's the only other spell you've got to, to chart a course or pitch one of the two cards you draw if it's a spell, right? Expressive yeah. Iteration lets you just do all that without discarding a card, yeah. right? I'm, I'm yeah. not trying to say chart a course is anywhere close to Iteration. Yeah. The point is that it's not, but a chart a course, at least in the decks that it gets played in, mm -hmm. is probably better than a draw two. Tanner, uh, are yeah. you saying that we should ban Charter Course also? In a vacuum, Charter Course is worse than a two-mana draw two, but that doesn't actually manifest itself in the play patterns you see with it, because the decks yeah. that play Charter Course are the ones that can make it better than a draw yeah, two. Of course. That's, so you yeah, just don't that's... see it in those other decks, whereas you do see iteration in those decks, because iteration is so busted and requires so little of you. See, you're saying it more elegantly than I did. Like, that's that's why you're here, Ross. This is why we have you on the show. And to <laughs> so, really answer your question, Todd, about, yeah. like, should we ban uh, Charter Course at this point, that's the same thing as the day's problem, right? Like, if, we, if we're banned, no, in a, no, in a similar vein <laughs> is what I'm saying, is that if you get to the point where Expressive Iteration is banned and then we start talking about Charter Course getting banned, that's not the problem. The, the problem is the inherent shell somewhere else. Yeah, sure. So you so, can't ever print cards like this. One you know, last like, thing I want to touch on in Expressive Iteration. So... Um, you were talking about hitting your land drops, and I've played a ton of blue-red decks throughout my tenure in Magic, and, you know, blue decks in general tend to rely on cards like Ponder, Preordain, Opt, whatever, to find land drops, and Expressive Iteration almost always hits. You'll, you'll notice that when you're playing a deck that's like 19, 20, 21 lands, it almost always finds a land. And the games where it doesn't find a land, you can still play one from hand and find a one mana spell and kill something or discard or whatever. Um, but I have just seen so many games just where my opponent instantaneously loses when they miss their land drop on turn three with, with expressive iteration. And to me, that signifies just how important it is for helping find lands. And, uh, and the fact that you're just able to not only have this two-mana draw to that usually finds the mana you need to progress your game, um, it's, it's just so much better than a normal dig spell. It's so much better than, like, Shimmer Possibility or any of this other fucking garbage we've seen in the past decade. And it really struck home to me how much better it was than, like, Dig Through Time. When I was watching old matches last week, I was just watching people play Dick Through Time and Legacy. And every time they played a Dick Through Time, it was always on like turn four, turn five. And I'm just like, man, if they were just able to cast Expressive Iteration on turn three, they would have hit their Wasteland. They would have Wastelanded their opponent out of the game. It would have been over. Instead, they're just fighting these resource battles where like, you know, 
no one no one's really gonna win uh in the end because you're just playing magic for 17 hours <laughs> but but uh but yeah iteration just looking better than dick through time ever looked even in full powered legacy was just really baffling to me well i, I mean like a, a dick through time on like turn seven is better than an iteration on turn seven it, the, the difference is that iteration yeah. comes online much earlier exactly like three or that's, four turns that's argue that's yeah. arguable too like and, and, i legit think it's arguable in in certain spots like I mean, assuming you're able to cast the dig for two mana if, if yeah if you're 100 yeah, which, which is another element mana. like you know when people play rest yeah. in peace or other graveyard hate See, when death threat shaman was around you know there, ding, there's ding, a ding, ding. so yeah that, that's not something we can take for a given yeah and this plays around that hate right like if you have treasure cruise if you had dig through time in your deck a lot of times that they have any way to interact your graveyard not only does it stop those it stops some other thing that you're doing in your deck as well right like it stops you know phoenix or something else it has insulary damage other than just those delve cards and they've now become practically unplayable right like you just can't cast them like look i've paid eight mana for a treasure cruise before and been like that was fine you know like in a game that went super long yeah but with eight mana i'd rather spend two of it cast an expressive iteration and then keep going yeah that turn yeah. The, you know? the, the fact that iteration you know offers you this incredibly high power level card without opening you up to really other forms of, of interaction is awesome and i wanted to get back to todd's point about it helping you hit land drops and i think the important part about that is that it now becomes a source of card advantage that looks like it's tempo negative but because of its ability to you know ensure that you're hitting your land drops it often ends up like tempo neutral or even tempo positive because of the ramifications for the, your next couple turns. You know, when, when you're sp spending some mana to draw cards, you're usually falling behind on the battlefield. But the fact that you're ensuring that you're drawing extra lands as opposed to casting something like pieces of the puzzle, you know, that only finds spells means that you're likely going to be able to keep up on the battlefield. And, uh, you know, now you're both keeping up at parity in terms of tempo and development, but also pulling ahead in card advantage, which is something that like, you know, ponder or even brainstorm doesn't do, um, you know, brainstorm does it in virtual card advantage. But uh, like we said, you know, these are decks that oftentimes want to be hitting a lot of land drops, um, you know, outside of legacy in, in modern and pioneer. So it, it's a card that it just does so much and asks so little of you. I, I think a, a lot of players could be very well served by, you know, really incorporating that understanding of opportunity cost into their evaluation of cards. And, uh, you know, you're oftentimes just looking at the effect. Uh, and then, you know, next level, you're looking at what does this cost me in terms of deck building and what I'm doing to maximize the card? You know, with, with Dig Through Time, you're playing a bunch of stuff to, you know, get things in your graveyard. But there's another level that, you know, we, we alluded to is how does this open me up to what my opponent is doing? You know, does it allow for other forms of interaction that I otherwise wouldn't? And, you know, dig through time and cruise allow your opponent to attack your graveyard, even sometimes in small ways. You know, making a cruise or a dig cost one or two extra mana by utilizing, you know, scavenging ooze or simpler small ball effects. Yeah, and Graveyard Trespasser is just seeing tons of play, too. So, like, that yeah. has a huge effect on how viable the delve spells are. Expressive Iteration, never affected by any of that stuff. Yeah. And, it's and always it, bananas. It always actually bananas. often now becomes like the card that Phoenix decks use to win games through Rest in Peace. Yep. You know, and because it does it so easily, it's already, you know, it's an added resilience against those forms of interaction that used to really shut the deck down, yeah. you know, when you were more reliant on the Delve spells. And like one last thing I want to say about these red-blue decks, and we've been seeing it a lot over the last couple of weeks, is 
now with the printing of Ledger Shredder, just you know, jumping into every one of these formats, that combined with expressive iteration as the game goes on means that you're going to have an absurd amount of velocity in your deck. You're going to get through your deck so much faster. Like uh, one of the big things I've noticed in modern from doing coverage of it recently is that deck just always has delirium now, right? With Shredder plus expressive iteration, you just sh- like I don't know how to say it otherwise. You shred through your deck extremely quickly. Yeah, and then like your card quality is going to be so much better than your opponents over the span of a game. It doesn't matter. Like that's what always made Delver good, right? Is like if you look at it in a vacuum, the cards in the deck versus like some of the other cards in the format, it's got a lower power level, right? You know, it doesn't have as big, you know, these big super flashy things. The same thing with like you know, we look at like you know the mono blue decks or blue white, you know, flash. The cards themselves. They they're greater. They're only greater with the sum of their parts. Like when you put them all together, and when you start putting all these things together, they're too good together. So like if you're gonna have Ledger Shredder be a like the predominant two drop, which I actually think it's like probably the format defining two drop now yeah, in a lot it's, of its formats. It's nuts. It's great yeah. in every format. It might yeah. be better than Merktide Region and Legacy. We'll see. Yeah, which is absurd, right? Well, that just see. means Fatal Push will come back. It'll it'll mm-hmm. go. It'll be back and forth. But the fact that it's even yeah. in the conversation is outrageous. Yeah, and you combine that with expressive iteration over the span of a game, like like it, imagine someone like wraths you in some way, like stops your whole your whole thing, right? And you're a blue-red deck. And you have, like, four or five, six lands to play, right? Like, it's later in the game. They, like, do something to finally stabilize. And you just untap, you play a Ledger Shredder, and then your second spell of the turn is Expressive Iteration. You are now so far ahead of where you were just for these two two-mana cards, and now you're set up for your next couple turns as well. It's yeah. unreal. I mean, it, it, it is. And I think there's another aspect to that incredible amount of velocity and going through your deck really quickly is that, you know... It's not, yes, your cards kind of look, you know, underpowered on the surface, but you also get to play at the edges of your probability distribution a lot more often than your opponents get to. So, you know, there are games when you need three force of wills to beat your combo opponent because their draw was really good, and you're able to do that a lot more consistently than other decks, or the games where you're able to, you know, on the flip side, have three lightning bolts for your opponents or, you know, early creatures or, th- you know, whatever removal spell you're playing. Um, you're, and, you know, not to mention finding the cyber cards and things like that, but being able to, you know, know what the matchup is and and also just see what your opponent has drawn how they've drawn and line yours up against theirs even in a, in a way that would be very unlikely for you to even have the option to do if you were just drawing one card a turn or you know maybe doing some light uh cantripping on top of that the fact that you're seeing probably half your deck in an average game means that you're seeing two three even four copies of certain cards pretty often and you're able to say okay this is a game where i need three or four or maybe it's a game where i need two and then one of my counter spells to lock it up and just you know play that game so it really gives you so much control over how the games play out even if you're playing from a reactive position because you're able to find the right answers so often now before we move on from this i wanted to ask todd this todd how do you see this affecting the format? Do you think this? Do you think this deck's just done? Like the blue, like the blue red prowess decks, maybe even Phoenix, or do you think these are decks that can still stay around? Maybe they'll adapt. So Phoenix was one of the better decks in Pioneer, well before Expressive Iteration was printed. Um, you know, people were already experimenting with um, playing Temporal Trespass and stuff. 
I, I think what you're going to see more often than not is you're going to see people trying to play the same decks without those cards, without understanding how Expressive Iteration changed the deck. I think the pieces of the puzzle versions really relied on hitting their land drops, and I think that without Expressive Iteration, they're going to be much worse. I, I would expect most Phoenix decks to now become very reliant on Ledger Shredder, uh, and uh, and Arclight Phoenix as the primary win conditions, I think that moving away from Thing in the Ice is probably correct. You just don't have the same ability to hit your land drops in the early turns with Expressive Iteration, so I think you just want to go small ball. Treasure Cruise is really good for that because it works well with Ledger Shredder. Uh, you're already going to be losing resources with, with Lightning Axe, discarding Phoenixes and stuff, so I, w- I would definitely just move away from pieces of the puzzle completely and just go full-blown Ledger Shredder. As for the Prowess decks, I think that they're going to be a bit worse. I think Expressive Iteration was the best card in those decks. Um, I would love to see a more burn-oriented version that maybe even tries out um, Blister Coil Weird to add like a 12th one-drop Prowess-type creature. Um, I- I'm not really sure why they haven't been playing that Anyway, you know, it's, it's obviously worse than Swiss Spear and, and uh, Scar, uh, Soul Scar Mage, but, you know, it's another one drop that has prowess type effects. And the fact that we can't play Expressive Iteration anymore just means that we need more one drops, I think, is the big deal. I, I think the biggest issue with losing Expressive Iteration is the loss of card advantage. Yeah, and but with that comes the missing of the land drops, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, you, you know, you're probably going to have to raise the land count a little bit, but you need to find other robust sources of card advantage, and the obvious one is Treasure Cruise. So if you're going to become more reliant on Cruise, then that means that I'm less interested in Arclight Phoenix in a threat that is also graveyard-reliant, because I don't want to open myself up to being so vulnerable to graveyard hate Especially if I'm is it and I can't answer things like Leyline or Rest in Peace if people want to go that hard. So I actually think Phoenix gets hurt more than Prowess for that reason. Um, and no, I agree. Uh, you know, in addition to to your point about pieces of the puzzle, like not being able to hit your land drops with that card is super important. So playing a, a you know a version of these blue X cantrip decks that isn't reliant on a three mana sorcery uh, is also going to be more important. But the Ledger Shredder is powerful enough, and Treasure Cruise is powerful enough that I think the deck's still good. I agree. It, for me, it kind of makes me think of like uh, it, the the main one of the main reasons I have a problem with a card like Expressive Iteration is the fact that like it kind of spits in the face of like traditionally how Magic has always been for like the, you know the first twenty years that we played it or whatever. Where when you have these decks, when you look at like Prowess and Phoenix and stuff, traditionally it's more all in than your typical mid range or control deck, right? Like. You're doing a bunch of very good things early. Like, your deck's a bunch of one drops and two drops, right? So you're doing a bunch of those things early to get out ahead. And generally against those decks in the past, the way to beat them was to stay alive and then cast your four, five, and six drops because they're so much better, more powerful, and impactful than what your opponent's doing. The problem now is, you know, I just mentioned earlier, you stabilize, right? You clear the board or whatever on, like, turn five. They untap, play Expressive Iteration, either get two spells from it or get a land in a spell that's now really good. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be reveal a spell that I can play this turn, have another expressive iteration set up for next turn, and we're going to wash, rinse, and repeat this and just keep going. And yep. so the fuel is never going to stop. They're yep. going to be doing multiple things a turn every turn for the next three or four turns of the game, and they're going to bury you. And that's the problem. Well, and, for, the, for the listeners at home, I don't know how much y'all have played against Is It Phoenix in the past year, but 
every, almost every single game they get down to less than 15 cards left in their deck. And that mm-hmm. that's unbelievable for games that only go five or six turns. But when you play Piece of the Puzzle, Galvanic Iteration into Temporal Trespass, Treasure Cruise, Ledger Shredder, Thing in the Ice, all these cards early are excellent. And late, they're also excellent. And the fact that they're able to just find every single thing that they need every single game, uh, like you said, it does spit in the face of traditional deck building. And Expressive Iteration was a huge problem for specifically that. If, if you had four or five lands and you're an Expressive Iteration, you're going to draw the rest of your deck in the next three turns. Like, the, it's just almost guaranteed. But, but that's been the way Magic has been going since, like, the days of Collected Company in Standard. Uh, you know, I, I and Tireless Tracker. I well, mean, I mean ma- you could still bolt tireless tracker though. Like you can't bolt expressive iteration. Like, yeah, Jace French Prodigy, you can kill it. You know, like yeah. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying though. Like those, I, yeah. I remember playing Just Guy Black a ton, and I saw most of my deck most games. But that was more uh, because I designed my deck to literally answer every single thing my opponent did. And then for the Treasure first, Cruise, and, yeah. yeah, and then Treasure Cruise. So like it's 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 similar in that vein, I guess. But I think I, that I'm not saying so, the issue hasn't gotten worse, but okay, we've, okay, we've been okay. trending in that direction for a long time. Now. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and we're, we're I think we're at the point where it's like it's it's actively getting too much. It's actively yeah. getting too good. You know, Yorian is a big part of that too. Yeah, it, F that uh, card. <laughs> there's there's a lot of offenders along that in, you know in that world. It's not it's not just expressive iteration, even if iteration is one of them. All right, and speaking of things that are offenders and other things that have been kind of miserable to play against, Wynota is now out of this format. And I want to take a second and say this. Uh, I feel for everybody at home, if you owned, you know, decks of Expressive Iterations, if you own decks of Wynota, if you've gone out and bought them, especially with, you know, the announcement of Paper Magic coming back and Pioneer being the first format that's really getting pushed, I feel for you. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's part of the game, but... I understand people who don't have card availability, like, say, the three of us. You know, if one of us were to go to an event, if we didn't have the cards, we could just put it up on Twitter and we'd have multiple people trying to hand it to us within five minutes, you know, kind of thing. Like, we're very blessed when it comes to that kind of thing. So we feel for you at home. Don't think that we're not thinking that or that when we're talking about this, you know, we haven't thought of that. So don't think that we're just, like, shitting on you and your deck and your situation. I'm sorry. But I know for a fact that... You've hated this card for a long time. You've talked about the, how miserable it is to play with and against this card because I've seen you even play it in a tournament before because <laughs> you, you just got to win, right? Like, yeah. you got to play the good deck. I know that you hate Wynota, Todd. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? Uh, so I, I want to touch on your thing about bans uh, and how people are, you know, it, it, it affects people in a real way. You know, banning things is, should never be taken lightly. Uh, whenever people like us are on... Uh, stream or doing commentary or even podcasts and we're just talking about oh this should be banned or that should be banned it's always with a grain of salt i want y'all to know that we don't want these things to be banned because we think that um people who play the deck are bad people or anything weird like that we just think that these cards as printed are more powerful than the things going on around it in a way that is unhealthy and is oppressive to the rest of the format without out of the way Fuck you forever playing Winota, and also fuck Winota, because that card is honestly one of the dumbest designs I have ever seen in my entire life. The first time it was ever cast against me in Standard, I just thought to myself, how? How the fuck did this get made? It was on the same vein as like your Feel the Dead and your Oko, where it was just the most pushed version of that type of effect at that exact casting cost that you could possibly imagine. Not only do the creatures 
just come into play. You only get the top, what, six or seven? I don't even know how six. many. Like, it just six. does it automatically for me yeah. on Magic Online. You look at the top <laughs> six cards, and you just pick the biggest, stupidest werewolf human that they've made in the past ten years, and you just put it into play. And not only that, it triggers it triggers for every fucking creature that attacks that's not a human. And on top of that, they're also just randomly indestructible. What the fuck? They also have haste and are attacking. What the fuck? I, I don't understand. I don't understand how that card could ever get made. I don't understand why it was left alone for so long. It literally got banned in standard and historic. And then they just got left to fester and pioneer. And then they just made two new werewolves that were just insanely good in it. You know, Brutal Cathar, Tovar's Huntmaster just completely changed the deck and made it this Naya normal mid-range beatdown deck that also got to play eight Land War Elves, four Eska's Chariot, and now like Fable of the Mirror Breaker. It's just, and it's, it was only going to get worse. So if you bought the deck recently, especially because if I was like, this is the best deck in the format, I'm sorry. But I am so insanely happy this is gone. It's just the dumbest four-drop creature ever printed. I hate it. I mean, I gotta agree with you. I still remember the first time I read it, and I was like, this, this seems good, right? You know, like, like we all were like, this seems powerful. And then the first time someone does it to you, and you're like, wait, what? This triggers more than once? And then, oh my god, why are they taking all my shit? Like, yeah. why is Agent of Treachery a thing? You know, or why why am I just dead? Yeah. You know, and they get Kendrick you get to and find out that a lot of things are humans that you, you didn't realize were humans before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You didn't why realize is this five-drop thing with eight abilities a human? Yeah. A, didn't yeah. didn't Oko turn this Kenrith dude into an elk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I still remember the first time someone did it against me, I was like, okay, this looks really good. Okay, this is fucked up. Like, yeah, this is messed up. Every line right. of text just gets worse and worse. You're just like, oh, it, it doesn't need to attack. It triggers the turn you cast it. It triggers for every single creature. It looks mm -hmm. at the top six. Those creatures come in attacking, and they all have indestructible. It's like, how on earth yeah. is this a thing? But, but from a from a gameplay perspective, this is sort of the exact opposite kind of card to expressive iteration. Iteration is a card with a super low opportunity cost, uh, but you know still has a, you know a very high ceiling. Winota and it has a very high floor too. Winota has a very low floor. You know sometimes it does not. Sometimes it's just a four mana four four. Yeah, but a four mana uh, four four in throughout history has never been that bad. I mean, in constructed in twenty twenty two, that's that's just not cut cutting it. All right, man. But well, hold on, hold on. So, but and and it demands a lot of you. You you've got to build your deck in a very strange way where you have you know sort of your enabler non-human creatures that you can spew onto the battlefield, and then the humans that you're trying to hit off of it in large enough numbers that you know you're able to consistently get value out of the trigger, and that requires your deck to be essentially all creatures or cards that you create creature tokens like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, yeah, uh, which limits your ability to you know play interaction. Uh, and then you've got to, you know, potentially find ways to find Wynota out of your deck, which is tough to do. We've seen lists play Eldritch Evolution. Um, they don't really do that these days. Um, the, the, so we'll, there have been a lot of Wynota decks over the years that are sort of like all in combo decks. Like if they don't do the Wynota thing, their deck doesn't really function. You know, Agent of Treachery, when you drew it, was horrible. Uh, same with that like seven mana red card that like doubled your damage. Yeah, Angress Marauders. Yeah, that card. So when Wynota is doing things like that and it is just sort of this all-in combo deck, I'm kind of okay with it existing because there's always going to be ways to check it 
and just, you know, have the removal spell pretty consistently or disrupt your opponent enough. The the issue for me arose when those you know, werewolves were printed, and now it could function very easily without Wynota. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I, played, I played, you know, 14 rounds of Swiss with the deck on your team, Ross, and I'll say this. At no point did I ever feel like my deck was worse than my opponent's when I was not drawing Winota. Yeah. And when I drew Winota, my deck was a thousand times better than theirs because it's a four-mana card that generates 20 mana worth of permanence yeah. immediately. And that was the problem. Yeah, and, like, again, like, that, that is the huge problem. And, like, when I think about it versus the other decks in the format, right, like, not only did it squash down a bunch of other decks in the format, I know that's something you definitely want to talk about, Ross, because you've been saying this for a long time. You know, when I think about it, uh, you know, I've seen people today on Twitter and stuff talk about, like, well, oh, Gr- Grease Fang will just, like, come right into this spot and be just as good. When I think of Winota versus Grease Fang, those two cards could not be further from each other in impactfulness and how good they are. See, when you're playing as, like, the Grease Fang deck, you can actually hold up a removal spell, right? Like, you hold up your one or two mana removal spell, play your game, they play the Grease Fang, you kill it before combat. The problem is, when you're playing against the Wynota deck, if you do that, you are going to die. Because <laughs> they're going to be putting other stuff into yeah. play that is actively attacking you and killing you. Like, yeah, not to mention that they play Voice of Resurgence too, right, so sometimes yeah, yeah. you're just, like, giving them this 5-5 five, five for free. They're just a good Naya deck, right? Yeah. Or, like... You're like, oh, like I'll hold up this this counterspell to stop to stop my node, and they're like, all right, well, I'll chariot you, and like, what are you gonna do? Not counterspell the chariot because like yeah, that's yeah. gonna kill you too. Like so you know, I wrote a lot of words about the threat <laughs> divergence in Winota because the cards that beat Winota are not the same cards that beat Voice Resurgence or Eskis Chariot, and so what you end up having a lot of times is games where you are super prepared for Winota. And then they just pivot and play Chariot first. And then even if you kill Winota after that point, it has still crewed the Chariot. And then you are getting attacked for 8 plus damage and they're generating another wolf along the way. And I think that that really showcases the difference in uh, in what type of gameplay that the Winota deck uh, provides. Because no matter what you do... It's the onus of uh, beating the Winota deck is almost entirely on the Winota deck itself. The Winota deck itself was just a little bit, um, I don't know, unreliable in some in some instances. You would flood out, or you'd get mana screwed, and your opponents would play, you know, uh, something that you couldn't kill. And then by the time you cast Tovalar's Hunt Master, it's just too late. But what end up what ends up actually happening is that they play Fable the Mirror Breaker on turn two off Llanowar Elves, and then you can't win the game. You just can't do anything for the rest of the game because you're playing catch-up. They'll play Winota last, and as they play Winota last or wait for you to tap out, you're still having to deal with Eska's Chariot and a number of other cards that generate micro-advantages along the way. Yeah, and, the, you know, that's when the the deck becomes unhealthy for the metagame because there really aren't other aggressive decks that are able to put the opponent under that removal check that Wynota can do while still being able to play a, a normal game plan, that kind of mid-range aggressive game plan that Wynota has. And so Wynota ended up taking over the entire aggressive space in Pioneer and yep. pushing out the decks that we had seen for years, the, the Mono Reds, Mono Blacks, you know. They killed my boy Glorbringer. Bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Even back. things like, um, you know, the, the previous sort of removal check decks like and Soul. You know that that's never going to be on, uh, on par with with what Winota can do because they just don't have the same level of resilience and even consistency. Because once you stop relying on 
needing Wynoda every single game, you can cut shitty cards like Eldritch Evolution and, you know, just play a non-Wynoda game and be perfectly fine with it. Um, and, and that, you know, both raises the floor too. So Wynoda is this card that demands a lot of you and has a really high ceiling. When the metagame around it, the format around it, is able to provide the floor to compensate for Wynoda's main weakness, then you've got a problem. And that's always, like, in a non-rotating format, that's going to happen eventually. Especially when the pieces that you need are just various creatures with the right types on them. Like, yeah. eventually and, and they're not it's going to happen. Like, it's very easy to find a, a viable Winota shell because the drawback is not really a drawback. You know, like, oh, I have to play a mix of humans and non-humans. Well, you just make your humans be the super big payoffs or just like the three mana generic interactive pieces, you know, and then everything else can be land elves yeah. or just random shit like voice resurgence or fable, the mirror breaker in, in a so large dumb. enough format, you, you know, you'll find the right pieces. And it took a little yeah. while for those pieces to come in. I think, you know, fable was another one recently that was added. Fable was great. A, on fable top of those, really changed it, honestly. Yeah. Fa um, fable on top of the, those, you know, those werewolves. And I think, you know, Tovalos Huntmaster is sort of the big one that, people like to look at because when you're crushing your opponent it's the one you're hitting but yeah. i think having brutal cathar as a way to interact with your opponent while triggering minota was so huge and i've said this you know a few times over the last year that like you know oftentimes your opponent is holding back saying like okay like i'm gonna take a big attack this turn but i'll be able to you know make some good blocks untap kill something big and hopefully stabilize and they just brutal cathar two of your blockers and the game is yep. over yeah, and on top of that, even against like combo decks or control decks, if you get to attack with Winota, uh, the Tovalar's Huntmaster is not just an insane amount of pressure, but even just hitting something like the the Apollo card, what's it called again? I, I Elite up. Spellbinder. Elite Spellbinder is also just a kick in the teeth when like you pivot post sideboard, all your Brutacathars are in the sideboard, so you have all of the Elite Spellbinders. And you just take away their Supreme Verdict. So, like, they can't Wrath you next turn. Or you take away their Teferi here of Dominaria or whatever. And sure, it only costs take two more mana. Just but that two mana, Right. But that two mana is what they, uh, you know, they need that two mana to be able to beat the Winota that's in <laughs> yeah, play. Because you have lethal damage next turn. Like, right. you know, the, it's the, the combined pressure and disruption. Yeah, and Elite Spellbinder is another good one. Like, it, the, the deck was, at a certain point, was able to fill out the entire deck with the right role player creatures. You know, you have the disruptive creatures against combo. You have, uh, you know, the big over the top creature if you just need to race. But those over the top creatures are also good against spot removal. You're not just like hitting an Angras Marauders that they can kill with one card. Huntmaster, you know, requires a verdict um, or, or a similar sweeper. And you have the removal if you need to interact with your opponent's battlefield. So, you, you know, you can have the right mix of things to always have outs. Uh, and, you know, sometimes Wynota, like will turn a game around from that looks completely lost because yeah. you got to attack with two Llanowar Elves and you yeah. hit Brutal Cathar, Tovalar's Huntmaster, and suddenly the game is over, but not in the way they were thinking. I've had a lot of conversations with people in my stream about Winota over the past five months, and the, the most funny thing that came up was I was losing badly, like, my opponent was just playing Spirits or something. They were playing some deck that didn't kill my Llanowar Elves. And I went, turn one Llanowar Elf, turn two Llanowar Elf, uh, you know, Peacekeeper or whatever, Innkeeper. And they just, like, collect a company and just have a huge battlefield of Flyers. And I'm just like, okay, you know, turn three, play Winota, attack with three creatures. And I get three triggers and two of them are Brutal Cathars and one of them's a Huntmaster. And I'm just like, why is this okay? Why, why do you think... 
that I should be allowed to do this, you know? And it starts to get to the point where you think maybe people are just so hamstrung by the costs of cards that they develop. Um, what's the syndrome whenever you get kidnapped and you Stockholm just like syndrome? Yeah. Is it, maybe they all just have Stockholm syndrome, you know, because they spent so much money on cards. They just never want anything to get banned when it's very clearly just the most fucked up thing you can do for four mana. It's just no, not I think even what it close. is. is- I just want all the cards in other people's decks banned, my deck to always be left alone. Uh, I also want all the cards I own to go up in price and all the cards I want to go down in price. Yeah, and if I want to buy something, I want it to super tank first so that I can buy it when it's at its cheapest and right. then go back up. Yeah, and then I somehow get to sell it and still have the card. Like, I get just I get two copies of it somehow. Like, overnight, wow. I, I, I go to sleep and I wake up. It's 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 made babies. Yeah, there you, you put, put them in the safe and hope they yeah. populate. I think my yeah. booster pack should come with deeds to private islands. Just just bars of gold. Why is, this <laughs> yeah. why is, it, why yeah. is it so much heavier than all the other ones? <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like the uh, there's an episode of uh, 30 Rock where they come up with a new game show, and it's just like, which of these models is holding the briefcase full of gold? And it's just always, <laughs> it's just always the one who's like falling over because it's so heavy. <laughs> uh, shut it down. Shut it down. Exactly. I'm going to choose now, number 14. Yeah. You know, we sure? asked this question about the other decks. Uh, Wynota, probably dead, right? You know, it was the the name of the deck. It was the the linchpin around which the sure. deck was built. But there's but only a few cards in the deck that are actually going to get hosed, right? Huntmaster, Tovar's Huntmaster gets hosed. Uh, Brood of Cathar is still great, you know? Yeah. Elite Spellbinder is still great. Those are going to be, like, collective company all-stars, I think. Fable's still a staple. But, yeah, the yeah. deck's going to change, though, right? And so, like, right. how do you well, see deck- that happening? Oh, it's just going to degenerate into 20 different mid-range Llanowar Elf aggro decks, and that's exactly what I wanted to yeah, happen. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's what I thought of when I thought of this format. Like, when I look at this format, I want this format to be, like, a, you know, a couple good aggro decks, some good mid-range decks. There's, like, a combo deck or two. There's, like, a control deck or two. And it's not just like this is the only aggro deck you can no, play. I just want a cornucopia of different playable options, and yeah. Winota literally just had its thumb pressed against the format. Well, what do you have an aggro deck or two in mind, Todd? That you think are? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently in a league that I was streaming earlier. I'm one zero with a Gruel Beatdown deck. It's literally just eight elves, four Glorybringer, Questing Beast, uh, Eskis Chariot. Embercleave, Reckless Stormseeker is particularly Ooh. strong. Ooh. That yeah. one, turn two, Reckless Stormseeker, turn three, uh, Winota, or Eska's Chariot. That's the heater draw. Sign me up. Yeah, and that, that's what I've been doing to people. Uh, I was going to say, Todd Anderson and Glorybringer. Name a more <laughs> iconic duo. Uh, best man at my wedding was Glorybringer. Yeah. Yeah, the card's still messed up. So, like, do you see, what kind of decks do you see this kind of opening the format up for? There was anything that was kind of on the fringes or like hadn't really like. There's, you know, I saw people talking today about like mono black aggro coming back, mono red coming back um, in a big way. So, mono black aggro actually weirdly had trouble killing Winota for cheap. It had to play like, you know, uh, two mana removal to kill it. And any deck that has to pay two mana to kill a Winota means that you're having to hold up two mana in spots where you can't because the rest of their deck just functions so fluidly. Um, Fatal Push doesn't do it very easily without some help, and Mono Black Aggro just kind of suffered in general from the lack of Smuggler's Copter. Um, I don't think that Banning Winota is going to change much for that deck specifically, but what I do know is that any deck that was heavy on spot removal uh, just doesn't have to play as much anymore. Or, at the very least, Killing Llanowarls has a lot bigger impact on the game than it did when Winota was around. So, Yeah, I... Uh- 
Mono Black is only interesting to me insofar as I think Graveyard Trespasser is a great Pioneer card. Uh, and we haven't really... By the time Trespasser got printed, Mono Black was already sort of a fringe deck. And losing, you know, Expressive Iteration as well, down, you know, really dampering another aspect of the metagame could allow Mono Black to return. I would expect it to be like Tier 2 at best. Um, but, you know, if you're a devotee of the deck, definitely something you could try out. The deck I'm actually more interested is mono red. More interested in is mono red. You know that is a deck that I thought was pretty good even in the Winota metagame, and has really strong card advantage elements with the different Chandra Planeswalkers. Um, you know I think Kumano faces Kakazan. It was almost a perfect threat for the deck because it's a threat that triggers Prowess. Um, and mono red, you know, for the entire time. Uh, the that the the pioneer format has existed. The monoret aggro decks have somewhat struggled to find the right balance between threats and spells in order to ensure that Swift Spear and Soulscar Mage are good in their decks uh, without having to rely on playing you know too many crappy spells. And it's pretty clear that those two are so you know very far ahead of all the other red one drops. So supplementing them with Kumano faces Kakazan. Uh, you know, Bone Crusher Giant as another threat that can be a spell. And then the Chandras that are, you know, threats that are spells essentially and keep the gas flowing, you know, really makes the deck co uh, coherent and cohesive in a way that it hasn't been before uh, and gives it a, a multivaried game plan where, yeah, you can kill them on turn four if they don't interact enough, but you can pretty easily win games on turn seven or eight, drawing a bunch of extra cards with your Planeswalkers, utilizing a bunch of utility lands, whether you're playing Mutavault or um, Den of the Bugbear or Ramanap Ruins or some combination thereof. Uh, and that's not even all, you know, there's Soken Zen and Castle Ember. I think you have a million options. Um, so you get a lot of extra value there as well. So you can play like a high land count red aggro deck where you're playing 25, 26 lands, but eight or 10 of them are utility lands, but, and your curve stops at big Chandra. That's, that sounds good to me. Yeah. I actually always find myself having too much to do with my lands when I play <laughs> mono red. I know that sounds weird or whatever, but like, I'm always like, oh, can I activate Den of the Bugbear instead of activating Ramanap Ruins this turn? And usually the answer is yes, because Den usually either gets killed. But if you sack the Ramanap, you can no longer activate the Den. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually haven't been impressed by Ramanap Ruins in those decks. Like, that's usually yeah. the one I look to cut well, or maybe play, if, like, one. I think that Castle Emberith is the weak one because it just doesn't enter untapped if you play four Den and some number of Ramanap all the time. But that, that's neither here nor there. That's just my minutia. I do want to say, though, that I do love Chandra Dress to Kill, and I think it drastically changed how people build those mono red decks, and I would love to do some more exploration in variations that don't play as much removal. Uh, I would love to try more Burning Tree Emissary versions and things like that because I just think that um, uh, without, the, like, without needing to kill Winota, you know, I think that you just have a lot more options to be less interactive. And Chandra also like provides really good backup. Like, can can you envision a sort of mono red deck that plays more one drops, Bobat Courier, since you can cast it off the green of Burning Tramissary, and like Reckless Bushwhacker, and then Chandra yeah. is your you know like game plan. That sounds cool. Did we break it? <laughs> we can I also mean, play. You can also play Ginger Brute. Oh, you know this thing that people have been doing on, on off the off to the side. Can we play enough artifacts minutes? in this deck to play Shrapnel Blast? Probably. You could play old synthesizer too if you wanted. 
could, we could play Synthesizer. We could I, play. I played a Synthesizer Boros Burn deck that the Connor Man built. Yeah, and I remember that seeing that deck, deck. Was a slapper, but Luris was integral to the deck. So, but what if we made this mono red with Chandra and art, enough artifact creatures? I mean, or I you guess, play, but... or you could play Anvil. I mean, that's just a different deck, but that's fine. Yeah. I don't. I do think Red Black is a deck that could possibly come back up in the format, though. Like, you know, just the the either like a deck like that with Anvil or even just like the mid-range deck that we've seen be good at times. I think it actually won the challenge a couple weeks ago. The, the Sacrifice deck, you mean? Well, that one and just like the mid-range one with, uh, you know, the creature you were talking about. just Graveyard Trespasser. Graveyard Trespasser yeah. and, and Croxa and like just stuff. Like yeah. just Red Black Mo- Mopey mid-range Rakdos. Yeah, just all the good Red Black. Like Jund. It's, it's yeah. just actually Jund. Yeah. Yeah, like that. that deck is always sort of around. It definitely gets better. You know, the is a deck losing iteration. That that's big for them. Is you know when you're thought seizing your opponent a bunch, that's like the last card you want to see them draw. Mm-hmm. And you have enough graveyard hate to shut down treasure cruises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could see that deck uh, popping up again. That's also a deck that likes playing against aggressive decks. So if, if more non Winota aggressive decks pop up that you can just kind of handle with your removal of better creatures. Uh, that really helps. You know, Trespass are obviously great against Mono Black, uh, as well as in it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm excited to look at the potential of aggressive decks in in Pioneer now. Before it was just like this deck's worse than Winota. Yeah. So uh, that, that was actually the next question I was going to ask Todd. Is Todd? Does this? Are you like excited for the future of Pioneer after today? Like, is this something that like were you you know excited to start streaming today? Are you looking forward to the next couple weeks? Like trying to figure stuff out, trying out new decks, like seeing what the format has come to. This is Christmas time for me, man. I, I don't know if you know that. I love magic uh, and I've been it a big fan of redundant. <laughs> it does get redundant. I mean, if you've been paying attention to my stream for the past month, you, you've known that it's been a drag on me just trying to play pioneer, trying to find the next deck ever since ever, like everyone and their brother bought ledger shredders. And that's why it's like $60 on magic online right now for yeah, a, a regular rare. Yeah. And like there, there were whole leagues where I would go where I'd play against four is decks, five is decks. And th- that just wasn't very fun. And when I wasn't playing against, is it, I was usually playing against either Lotus field, blue eye control or Winota. And like, those four decks over and over again offer very limited play patterns because of how static the matchups are. There's just a lot of one-sided and one-dimensional matchups in, in Pioneer. And now that Winota is gone and Expressive Iteration is making is it decks worse, I think that this format is about to explode, not only in deck viability, but also in popularity. Uh, I had a ton of people on stream today just coming to hang out and see. I was literally just playing Green Red Ramp for, you know, just like some dumb World Breaker deck. Had 200 viewers in the first 30 minutes just watching me do stupid stuff. And it's not even the best thing you can do. It's not even close. And, like, I think that that's just going to continue being that way until we find the next two or three big decks. Maybe something else needs to get banned. That's just kind of how it's going to go. You know, uh, every format is a bonsai tree and you just got to keep snipping. It's a good point. metaphor. Yeah, I know. I kind of liked it as, as well. Ross, how do you kind of see the format playing out? Are you I, I know that I'm a little more excited. I have a little more uh, hope going forward where it kind of like I think it opens things up just a little bit. Right. Like there's some more breathing room in the format. Like we're not, you know, like when I thought about it, you know, if I was going to play in a tournament, I either need to play one of these decks or beat these decks. And now, like, that's not the case right away. And we might not see a ton of stuff right away like say this weekend on the pine like sometimes it takes more than a week 
right for for people to figure it out but i am excited to look at the results from like the pioneer cla- uh, classics the the pioneer uh challenges Challenge. from this weekend and and we've got the nrg and lansing that is uh part pioneer this weekend yep. and it's going to be a brand new format too so i feel bad for some of the people going into that because like oh, they man. have people, to get look, decks oh man i spent 400 hours play testing winota shut up you you know you learned everything you need to know after five matches of winota or whatever and like Everyone who's cast Expressive Iteration deserves this. You know, everyone who's ever played the card Expressive Iteration. You had this coming. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. I've been literally screaming it for four months. Expressive Iteration's too good. Winota's too good. Just fucking ban them. Yeah. I honestly want to see Iteration gone in Modern, too. Just just get it out. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. another card that's, I mean, it's only ever going to get better. And it's only ever going to be, a, it's, it's already a four of in every blue-red deck in every format. Just fucking ban it. It's too it's good. Too, it's too ubiquitous, yeah, for, yeah. for my taste. Um, I'm looking forward to see what's going to you know unveil over the next few months and stuff. You know, like this kind of feels uh, like Pioneer did early when we got you know bans pretty often, and the format would get kind of freshened up. And I say that, but, you know, we're not going to have another ban next week. You know, like that was the thing we were worried about a little bit when we first started. But I say this because the format's getting not only getting uh, freshened up, but we have reasons to play the format. Yes. Moving forward, which is a big deal. And so, you know, we have these, uh, whatever they're called, the the, the RTN type stuff, you know, uh, like these events to feed the bigger event that's in Atlanta later yeah, here the into the Pro Tour, the regional qualifier. I, I gave it the flesh and blood and acronym, it's sorry. Fine, it's fine. But yeah. We know where your loyalties lie, Tannen. It's okay. Well, one of them pays me a lot better than the other one. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, one of them is a really great game that I've been really enjoying for the last Yeah, I also five love or six Magic. Months. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them is flesh and blood <laughs> i still play a lot of magic i really do i still play quite a bit but uh you know i, I do i do love flesh and blood it's it's pretty great but yeah like with with having reasons to actually play this in the future ross are you looking forward to see how this like format yeah and are you up, gonna you stream it should... I mean, <laughs> soon yeah, soon yeah. hashtag yeah this is, i mean this is also the format for the like the the is it the format for the PTQs over the summer? It's definitely the format the P- for the first the, round of like regional. I think the R, RPTQs are are dealer's choice for the yeah. The, oh yeah, yeah. those are dealer's choice. But, but for the big event in the fall, the the one in Atlanta is yeah. Pioneer. So I I expect Pioneer to be the primary focus of competitive play Agreed. for the summer and then in, into the fall. So this is going to be you know Magic's premier format. Um, so great time to have a shakeup and. Uh, and and it gives them enough time too, which is a big yeah, deal as well. Gives enough right? time for people to you know work things out. Obviously, we'll get you know what like seven more sets before then, something like that, mm-hmm. based on the pace that they put out product. Nine. There's nine sets between now and <laughs> that's September. unreal. That are legal in Pioneer. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I was supposed to say that. Here's the funny. But what the funniest does it say that you kind of believed him? I believed him. That's <laughs> the, the worst part is I believed him. And I was like, yeah, that that sounds right. Like uh, I, I, with everything that's been going on. Oh, you ever like, heard about Pioneer Masters one and two that have been coming <laughs> yeah. out in the next three months? I was going to say if you, you want to go back two and a half years and see where they announced those, and then we never heard anything about them ever again. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. here's the thing for everybody at home: if you're if you're a little daunted by this, I I, I got to admit. If I if I look at this from the outside, from someone who's not as enfranchised as I am, who's not you know as blessed as I am when it comes to like getting cards, having accessibility, I, I get a little daunted by this. Like, what deck am I going to play? This is something that could really scare me away from it. One of the best things I can tell you is like just do a little bit of research. And one of the best ways that I think you could do that is watching Todd's stream. He goes through all the decks, right? He has a code on there for you to use if you want to start borrowing cards online for cheaper, so you can start playing all the decks yourself. 
you know, and then you can make your decision from there before you get anything in paper. Yeah. Uh, Magic Online also has some rental services. You can check out. Uh, there's mm-hmm. one from Card Kingdom, but the one I'm also uh, an affiliate of Mana Traders. Uh, you can use code Tandy15 to get uh, 15% off your uh, first two months. Make sure to check it out. It's manatraders.com, code Tandy15. Yeah, and so, like, I know that I've been thinking about jumping back in myself. And because, like, the thing is, I'm going to need to play test for, for I'm going to play or try to qualify for these big events, right? Like, if, if I can, yeah. I'm definitely going to play at least the stuff that's close enough to me. And one of the things that I do is, you know, you saw me in your stream today, right? Like I was in your stream, I was talking, I watched that stuff, but I have a very non-existent collection on Magic Online, Yep. right? And I can't play this format on Arena. So what I do is I get on there, I pay my, what is it, like $25 or whatever uh, for the it's, month. It's, you can kind of mix and match, but it's somewhere right. between 15 and $50, depending yeah. on what level you want to borrow at. Yeah, I, I pay for whatever the level is that I, that I need. And then I get the decks that I need, and I put them through the paces a few times. Ross and I have done this quite a few times together. Like when we were when we were teaming together, we used to do this all the time and stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to trying some stuff out. I'm not looking forward to the first couple matches on Magic Online after my prolonged absence from it. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to time out like crazy. But uh, so if you play against me, sorry. But I'm going to be trying my best, and I think this is the best option. I think it's a great option for you know to. To have accessibility yeah. when you're you don't have it as much as other people, and to be able to change and change up your deck a little bit, decide what you want to do, what deck you want to play before you invest in paper, because investing in paper is a little bit more daunting yeah. than you know paying your twenty five dollars on average or thirty dollars on average a month. If there was a fee, you know we've talked about this a lot for like Arena or for Magic Online. If there was a fee that I could pay every month to just have access to everything. I would just do it. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who played World of Warcraft for 15, 20 years or whatever, and they're very happy paying their 20 or $30 a month monthly fee. And mm-hmm. I, I've always said the same thing. I'd be very happy with that. And Mana Traders kind of gives you the ability to do that. But yeah. this is, we are not sponsored by them, so let, let's move on with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's like that's that's the best way for, for, for I think, a lot of these people at home if you're yeah. getting you know worried about this kind of thing. Uh, I just want to say that I think Pioneer is a fun format. It has a lot of different decks, and and I think that it's going to open up a bit more than it has before. Uh, The gameplay can be a little one-sided, but I think, again, that is going to be changing because weakening the Izzet decks is going to go a long way, as well as making the mid-range decks more vulnerable to just traditional one-for-one spot removal in the early game. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to playing the format a bunch over the next few weeks. You can watch me stream that over on my uh, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Tandy. And uh, you can also read some articles that I'm going to write on my Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash Tandy. In, yeah, I think it's just Tandy. It might be Tandy MTG. They can oh, Google it. It'll be able to find it pretty easily. You'll be one of the top. If, if you're not the top result, you'll be one of the top right, three. It's patreon.com slash Tandy. I should have known. There you go. Anyway, it's fine. That's yeah, all and- I got. I got nothing else. <laughs> And before we move on to any of the other stuff, uh, I do want to make sure that we mention our uh, sponsor for today's stream. Definitely go ahead and check out Barrister and Man. That's Man of Two Ends, uh, the OG sponsor of the stream. They've been with us for forever. Absolutely love all their products. And I definitely want to make sure that you tell people they're actually starting to run out of some of the seasonal stuff that has come out over the last year. So if you've been kind of on the fence or you want to try some of the stuff, you might not have a chance if you don't try it soon. So make sure you check that out. And I know that he hasn't announced it just yet. And uh, we don't have the information yet, but I'm, I'm excited because I love all this stuff. There's a there's a new special fragrance coming out later this month that I'm really looking forward to. Plus, he's going to have new bars of soaps, 
balms, bath soaps. Uh, they're going to do a new packaging scheme as well. And for all of our friends that listen overseas or outside of the United States, they are going to be doing shipping outside of the United States very, very soon if they haven't started already. And they even uh, added a towel to their services as well that you can get. And uh, I'm waiting to get mine right now. Uh, absolutely love it. Looks great. So make sure you check them out. That's barristerandman.com. Ross, what's the code for them? That is MTGRANTS2022. Yeah, that's going to be for 15% off of your order at checkout. Make sure that you go there, check their stuff out, and uh, order some nice stuff for you or for someone in your life. These these all make extremely great gifts, especially the older we get. I actually, like Ross talked about this the other day, he like loves getting his new stuff, his new beard oils. Like I uh, I actually ordered some stuff the other day and gave them to my best friend for his birthday. And he like he has a beard just like yours, Ross, like the, the thicker, longer one, and, and you, Todd, I guess. And he's absolutely loves it. So... It's a good gift for for that special someone in your life that could use this stuff. Or if you just want to smell better for the people around you. I'm a big fan of that as well. So barristerman.com, check them out. Did you know that did you know that human bodies are just uh slobbish, sweaty pits? I mean you know? make us yeah. make them smell better. Barristerman twenty twenty two. It's twenty twenty two. That's the that's the code. MTG Rants twenty twenty two. MTG yeah. Rants twenty twenty two. It's Barristerman. Can, can we snip that? Can that just be our our <laughs> thing for now? Did you know the human body is the slap of grossness? Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, he's not wrong. So exactly. Well, basically, factories that produce farts. That's it. <laughs> what happened to the show just now? Like I, I I'm not complaining, but Ross is just stunned. It looks like. I'm just saying that you. I'm just waiting for it to blow over, you know. There we go. Well, uh, just waiting for the farts to blow over. What's gonna blow over is gonna be that smell good stuff, not the bad stuff. I don't know. I like this. Look, usually Ross doesn't give me a lot. Todd at least knows what he's doing over here. (laughs) It's from the hip. So. I think it's from a different part of your anatomy, but that's okay. Yeah, I think so as well, too. All right, so fun thing that we usually do on the show, what we've kind of been into collecting lately, is we do this overrated, underrated. Uh, Todd, are you willing to do a few of those? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to start with Ross on this one because I want to hear him, uh, what he wants to do. Deion Sanders, the baseball player. Oh. I don't remember much about Deion Sanders playing baseball. He overrated, right? Like, he was was good at stealing bases. He was like he was a decent player, yeah, for sure. So like, overrated in the fact that like you expected him to be great and he was. He's, it was kind of like when Jordan he's an played iconic basketball. Player. Like, I remember yeah. Dion being an iconic player, but I never thought to myself, "Oh, this dude's putting on a show." He was he was good. He was flashy. He does have uh, he did do something that I don't think will possibly ever happen in sports again. He's the only player to score a touchdown and hit a home run in the same week. <laughs> It, like at the major level like he scored a yeah. touchdown in an nfl game and then like i can't remember if it was a couple days before or whatever he hit a home run you're like that's just unreal like it's, it's just was not he, gonna happen was he yet. just like i can't ever play on sundays i can't ever yeah play yeah on if sundays it was the same something? he definitely couldn't play on sundays and then that's like weird i do think there was a time i have to go back and look there was a time where it got a little awkward because he was playing i think for the atlanta braves at the time or something like that and uh they were like in the playoffs and he was like yeah i gotta play you know the playoff thing so like it made it awkward for his football game i think he like played the game one time, got out of the game, got onto a helicopter, and got shipped over to, like, where his other team's game was or something. It was, like, just some utterly ridiculous stuff. So I'm going to go with properly rated. I, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He was and pretty it, decent. Well, So he had one really good year where his OPS is 30% above league average, which is great. Um, and obviously, you know, he stole a lot of bases, the thing that gets me, baseball is such a skill-intensive sport, right? 
and you know it takes people years for the minor system to even work their way up to the majors um and you know it takes daily practice over and over again to refine those skills and keep them sharp the fact that he was able to even compete at that level while also playing another professional sport likely says to me that if he had been if he had just 100% focused on baseball he would have been significantly better yeah, than what his far. numbers show yeah. and so i'm going to go underrated based on that all right all right uh i don't know what that is i'm gonna skip that one all right Cathal says not eating the pizza crust uh i think that some pizza crusts are inedible and Mm -hmm. generally like if you're at a convention or you're on the road and you can't eat your normal pizza place from home uh leaving the crust is okay but if you get like the good pizza from the good place you gotta eat the crust eat the whole thing yeah I'm right yeah. there with you. If the crust is bad, the pizza is bad. And like, Probably. if you're in a position right. where you have to get bad pizza because that's your only option, sure. But yeah, like if you if you're the kind of person that like never eats the crust for whatever reason, I just think that there's something weird about you, and I you don't trust just eat a your opinions. Food. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I do. So at at the Italian place downtown at Fortunato, they get they on request they'll give you hot honey. I do like putting oh. a little hot honey on the crust. Yeah. Yeah. They used to have a, a really nice pizza that had like an egg in it, like in the center that they would kind of soft boil on top. And then you just put hot honey on it. And it I'm was so like, hungry. Uh, I'm hungry too now. Why, why are we put, doing this? Put, put some goat cheese <laughs> on there. Can I, can I request that you ask the question that you don't know what it is? Because maybe me or Ross know what it is. Uh, yeah. uh, sh- sh- well, no, no. It's, it's just like, I don't understand this question. It says, biting the corner of the pizza pop. I, I don't I don't no I'm off it yeah what is a pizza pop exactly like I, uh, uh, you know it's probably uh, it might probably have been a misspelling, misspelling. oh kind of. it looks like it is a product from oh oh there is it it's like a, a pizza bagel it's a, it's it looks like a oh, wait, wait, is it like a pizza pocket yeah you always yeah. Have, like the corner of the pizza pockets yeah, yeah. so otherwise, uh, gonna, otherwise uh, you're gonna this particular brand llama. is only available in Canada well, so okay so classic Canadian it's what is it what are the, what are they called Toddy, uh, I need hot you here. Pockets? No, no, no. The the, the pizza ones, the little bite size ones. Bagel uh, bites, pizza bagels, pizza rolls. Pizza yeah, pizza rolls. rolls. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'm thinking it's pizza rolls because you always have to bite the corner off so like the hot air comes out and it doesn't yeah. destroy your mouth. But, yeah. the, but yeah. these otherwise it's molten lava. These it's pizza pops, lava. they're they're shaped like a hand pie. You know, like the the. It's just like a meat pie. It's just it's just hot pockets. Yeah, it's it's well, hot you, pockets. no, well, hot pockets are 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 symmetrical. Come on, man. Come on, I know man. what they are. They're yeah, just, we know. They're, the same. they're all empanadas that every yeah. the people are ripping off. Yes, it's, em, it's empanada shaped. <laughs> that's what that's what this is. That's that's the right thing to say. It's empanada shaped. Sure. All right. Next one, just because it's it's similar from Cathal ramen. Obviously, massively underrated. It's amazing. I mean, it depends on if you're making the garbage ramen that's just store bought thingy with package with noodle and seasoning, because that is not very good. But making like a big bowl, your own broth, a bunch of toppings that you make yourself and stuff like that, or just going to a place that does all that perfectly, one of the best meals you'll ever eat. Yeah, one of the best amazing. bowls of food you'll ever eat. I love ramen. Black garlic, ramen, spicy, tantan men, gimme, 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 gimme. I'm actually not a big ramen fan. Get oh, out. says the guy who doesn't eat it because he's a fucking vegetarian. You can't you eat can, the broth. You can get vegetarian ramen. Yeah, you know what vegetarian ramen is? Fucking dashi salt water. It's That's like the broth soup. you make. No, they'll <laughs> use like mushroom to get umami in there, miso. 
That. It's usually one of those two. Like, so you're describing common vegetarian sources of umami. He's so wrong, Ross. It's fine. Look, the soups that are not made with animal carcasses to make the broth are traditionally not as good as soups that are made with vegetables. Well, I'll just disagree with you there. That's fine. You can disagree with me all you want. You can make like a, a nice uh, potato leek soup or a, right, next. a roasted butternut squash next. or a, a really nice next. minestrone. Oh, wow. Next. Let's just name minestrones every vegetarian soup that's ever been made. All right. Anyway, K-Fett says A Christmas Story, the movie. Uh, is that the one with the kid with the glasses? Yes, I think never so. Never seen it. Hate it. I've also yeah. never seen awesome. it. I've also never seen it. <laughs> okay, oh, wow, we suck. Next. All right. Next. Uh, this one is uh, The Pitch Perfect Saga. Uh, I think probably underrated. I think the first one was extremely good for what it was. And uh, I don't know about the other two. Never saw them. So probably accurately rated well, on those. The third one's just military propaganda. Oh, that sort of colors my perception oh, of the USO entire series. It is. Yeah, yeah, they go on a USO tour. Oh, off it. Never mind. So, uh, I think they're all underrated except for the third one because the third one is hot garbage for many reasons. I mean, the script's awful. Also, it was the one that was not filmed at LSU's campus, while the first two were, which is awesome. One of my friends is at like actively in the second movie. He like has. Mo- I'm like that's him, and then like later I'm like that's him, and then later like that's him. You know, it's pretty cool. Speaking so of people I'm, I'm we know in fan. movies, I just want to say that my brother-in-law was in a Spike Lee movie that came out recently. That's as, really cool. But it's fu- He's from Alabama, and his role is just like guy with no lines who is vaguely racist looking. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so, just a white Southern person. So they picked yeah. a random white person from Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he was part of the extras and stuff, and like he just has a full camera shot of his face, just being like mean mugging. <laughs> That's so, absolutely amazing. The, what do I need to do? Nothing. You're already perfect. Yeah, yeah good job. The, there is one aspect of the Pitch Perfect films that is underrated, and it is the duo of John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, the commentators. Yeah, yeah, they're well, amazing. That, yeah, so the John Michael Higgins does the Besson Show and all those series with like the that group. Yeah, and those are some of my favorite movies. A Mighty Wind is up there in my top like twenty movies. I fucking love it. He also hosts a daytime game show called America Says that is surprisingly good. Oh, cool. Never didn't know that. I have to check that out. All right. Uh, the next one is uh, this is from S Squirrel. The pre-modern format. I'm actually becoming a fan of this. I haven't gotten to play it yet. It looks underrated to me until they ruin it. Someone always ruins it. Are so like these formats always look good because like very few people play them. So like formats that are 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 that low in popularity always seem more diverse and and not as broken as they are. Um, my one question though is: Are the onslaught fetchlands banned? No. Oh, then overrated. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is um, I've never played it. Uh, it might be something I play in the future, but I'm not going to invest time and energy unless it becomes a real format, like a sanctioned by Wizards or whatever. All right. Uh, Joe, Mr. English has one that is going to resonate very well with me, and you can take this however you want because you can, you can slightly make this for your own. It's called The Frustration of Forgetting Something and then two hours later remembering what it is, but it's too late to go back for that thing. Or to, you know, fix it. I do this daily, I feel like, now. All right, what do you think? Overrated or underrated? It's, uh, it's underrated because it's, like, one of the most frustrating things in my life right now. Like, ah. I can't tell you how many times a week. Because, like, I'm at the point now where I I prepare, like, well over... It's probably, like, 99% of the food I eat. I just, you know, make it myself or I have it at the house or whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
and I'm, if I forget an ingredient, it's the worst. Because half the time I realize that while I'm making whatever it is that needs the ingredient, yeah, and I want to die. Because <laughs> it's always something like, it's never like super integral. It's never like, I can't make this now. But like now it's not what I wanted it to be. And I'm just going to be like sad when I, I eat it. I feel you on that. Whenever you're making food and like you don't have one of the ingredients, it's always a sad day. Like I ran out of you know, ginger powder or whatever, and I didn't have any fresh ginger one time when I was making an Asian Asian dish, and I was like, wow, this is going to be much worse because ginger is an incredible root that has incredible weird flavor. Tannen, shortly after I moved into this house, so late summer of last year, we had our, our first backyard barbecue at this house that I was cooking for. So I planned a lot of different things. I went to the uh, went to the grocery store, and you know made a, a very large grocery run. And I start preparing the day before, making some things so that I can make ahead. And I realize that I accidentally grabbed two bunches of cilantro instead of one each of cilantro and parsley, because they look very similar and they're right next to each other. Yeah. Um. And so I'm like, oh shit! I need another. I need a bunch of parsley. Now, it's about a 25-minute or so walk to the grocery store, one way. And I didn't feel like doing that. And I thought, oh, there's some small grocery stores, um, different um, ethnic grocery stores along Williamson. I'm like, one of them has to have parsley. And so I walk there. Is there an Italian Italian grocery store? There's a a Middle Eastern one, which I would expect to have parsley, because parsley is often found in falafel. Parsley and baba ganoush also? Um, It can be not. Um, but it's used frequently in, in Middle Eastern cooking. Like they're all along the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, you know, not far from Italy, and uh, none of none of them yeah. have it. Literal not. And so, so then, so let's get this straight. Instead of asking your friend Todd to go to to the grocery store with you because he probably needs something always, or someone who's coming day. to grab it on the way. Yeah. Well, this is the day that, before. Like this is like fr- this is like Friday evening. You walked to nine grocery stores well, along well, Williamson. Well, hold on. As I'm doing that, I'm, I'm walking north along Williamson. Mm. Uh, Todd, this will make sense to you. So I'm walking towards the intersection with Hirschberger, which is closer to the, the main grocery store, the Kroger. Yeah, don't talk about street names. I don't want people to know where I live. Uh, but before <laughs> for, before um, I... I think be. <laughs> before you get to the Kroger, there's an Aldi. And so now I'm like, okay. Yeah, Aldi definitely doesn't have parsley, though, because Aldi is garbage. So I walk in, and I'm like, Th- they've got to have it. The, the only herb in there is cilantro. Keep in mind that all of, all of the ethnic grocery stores all have cilantro. Yeah. But that's the only herb in any grocery store ever is just cilantro, which is the one. So if I had accidentally bought two two parsleys and zero cilantro, I would have been fine. So I'm just saying that I understand understand your pain because yeah. I ended up having to go all the way back to the Kroger. Yeah. Because by the time I get to the Aldi, I'm right near the Kroger. And then I, I all I'm hearing from this whole talk from all of us is we're really bad at making a fucking list and just using the damn list. Well, I had a list. I just accidentally grabbed the wrong uh, thing. I'm, I don't ever. I'm just like, yeah, I only need these like six things. I'll just remember all of it when I'm there. Yeah. I, I got in the habit of making lists because when I was at my old apartment, I would take the, I, I only had about 20 minutes to get my shopping done if I wanted to catch right, the bus right, on the right. way back. So I, I had to be not only get everything I needed, I had to be efficient in doing it. Um, so I would like organize my list based on how I was going through the store. Let me ask you if you've ever done this one, Todd, because I'm going to ask Todd specifically because he has a car and you don't. So this is more likely something that has access to a car. I know I did this once in Vegas. I even tweeted about it. It's like I went to a store to get one specific thing, Walmart, grocery store, whatever. You're like, I really need 
cilantro, you know, or whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I need 72 beers. Yeah. I spent $150, got home, realized I didn't get the thing that I needed. <laughs> I got everything else. Okay, I'm going to answer your question with a story. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. It's called MTG um, Rants for a reason. <laughs> so my my dish my dishwasher uh, was on the fritz. Uh, it was leaking water out uh, basically through a crack in my uh, countertop. Like it wasn't like, you know, spewing out the bottom of it. It was literally just like every time it would flush all the water out at the end, it would just leak out and onto my kitchen floor through a crack in the thing, right? Um, it's been going on for a couple weeks. Uh, it was pretty bad yesterday. So I said, okay, today I'm going to call somebody, get them to come fix it. Um, so I, I call, have a plumber come. They're like, yeah, it's nothing related to the plumbing. It's actually just, there's a hole in your dishwasher. I'm like, okay, fine. So I, I went to Home Depot. I walked in, I walked to the place where they, they have the things. So there's three guys sitting around a cash register and one of them looks up and he's like, Hey, I can help you. And I'm like, I need a dishwasher. I need uh, insulation delivery, and I need someone to remove the old one. And he looks at me and he goes, okay. And I was out of there in five minutes, and I had paid. I don't fuck around when I go shopping. <laughs> I know what I need, and I get it, and I am out. And the, when I was leaving, the guy was like, wow, man, you just spent like $700 like super fast. And he's like, "Does that? do you do that a lot? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Indeed, I, like, I do. That's amazing. I was just like, look, every single, every single one of these washers that is there, they were all four ninety nine. There's like ten of them. They're all four ninety nine. They all had the same features, and all of them have the same warranty. It's like it really doesn't matter what I pick. Yeah. They're what brand name be, do I want stapled on the also, front of it? They're all going to be equally bad or equally good based on the price point. So I'm just going to pick one that looks like that is close enough or whatever. And that's the one I went with and I was in and out in five minutes and the guy just kind of laughed about it. And I just thought that, and so yeah, I don't fuck around when I go to the store. I don't buy $150 worth of stuff and not get the thing that I want because I usually just go to get the thing so, I want. So just me. Okay, cool. Good, good to know. It's just me. All right. Yeah. Uh, Brent Wagner says getting all the groceries that you need in one trip from the car, massively underrated. It's the best feeling in the world when you have all the bags and you're just like, you all know what I'm talking about. The door swings open because you have to use your leg because yeah, you don't have yeah. you don't have use your hands anymore, yeah. and you're like doing the sideways shimmy out of the car while you have all of the bags covering every inch of your hands and arms. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then you close the door, and then man. you, yeah, and then you think to yourself as you like you know I have a garage, so I'm going through my garage. I look to myself and I look at the door to the house, and I just look at my hands and how I'm like, how am I going to open the actual door to yeah. get inside? And you got to make that one push of lifting yeah. your, you know, yeah. one hand <laughs> you to, to turn the knob. Fingers. You need two fingers to turn the knob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the, the satisfying feeling is when you just drop all of the bags on the ground as yeah. you, when you get into the kitchen, or you're the like, counter. okay. Yeah. I have an island for that, so. But we all say that's underrated, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say accurately rated. I, I think that that feeling is... Um, it felt equally across all of space and time, but to whoever experienced it, and it's always bliss. That's that's my workout for the week. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sure. I mean, you can't go back. Like sometimes we go for no. like the big yeah. two week shopping trip, and I have to go back for the second round, or sometimes it's just because you have like one round. thing that's going to take up. Like if you have like yeah. toilet paper or whatever, like you can't. You, yeah. It's too big, right? Mine, like it's mine such... is cat litter. Like we have, oh, there we, you go. we have yeah. to get like these big jar you know not jars but oh, yeah, yeah. our dog food is like giant bags or whatever yeah it's giant bags of like uh that are frozen too you have to like get home as quickly as my dog eats raw food so you have yeah. to like 
Yeah, you have Classic. to freeze it. So you, you, I can't go do anything else. I have to go to the place to get oh, her food. Old ass Benny. Yeah, she, dude, she, she's got a better life than I do. Um, which is, hey, that's the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> give, give your children a better life than you ever had. Yeah. All right. Cathal's got another good one. Using a blanket to turn into a burrito. Mm. Definitely underrated. I don't like being tucked in. I think it's overrated. But yeah. I'm like Todd. Yeah, I like also like having my feet out of the covers because my feet always get super hot. I don't like cold weather. Oh. This that's probably me. Like I like I like getting, you know, fully wrapped up when it's cold. Well, so you're from Nolan's. Yeah. Ross is from Connecticut. Uh, so Ross doesn't mind the cold, right? You hate yeah, the cold. And you've 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 been you you weren't born into it, but you've adopted it. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a traveler. You know, yeah. I'm a wanderer. Yeah, everywhere I've lived, it's I've never lived anywhere where it, like really snows. It's like been very warm. I've lived, you know, here Texas. I just never and, wrapped my feet in anything because I was always hot. Well, yeah, this is from the guy that wears shorts and sandals everywhere, no matter yeah, what the weather yeah. is outside. You're an actual I, crazy I person. I've seen you in shorts and flip flops when there's snow on the ground, Todd. Yeah, you're an actual well, crazy person. I've seen you. Hold on, I have to ask Not legitimately. Do, do you actually own pants? Yes, Tannen. I own I, pants. It was questionable. No, that aren't you like suit pants. Covered, that aren't right? suit pants. Oh, no. <laughs> you, don't like a, you don't own like a pair of jeans or khakis or something? Uh, I mean, do I used to, but I... You have to have sweatpants, huh? all, First of all, I haven't bought new clothes in close to three or four years. And during all of pandemic lockdown, I bought no clothes. Um, yeah, of course. I, yeah. I literally wear... I have my... <laughs> Callie, for, for like Christmas or something one year, bought me a pair of... Um, like shorts, pajamas, pajama shorts, what? and they're they're just shorts? insane. Yeah, but they're shorts, but they have they're like the same uh, fabric. Material? Yeah, yeah, and like they're just comfortable as shit. And so I just own like three or four pairs of those, and that's just the shorts I wear all the time. I never leave the house. Every time Ross, you see me in the last two years, I'm wearing them. Just say no. That's. I wish they could see our faces at home, Ross and I's faces, because you're what? talking about this, and both of them are just like. It's just so, like, at first I was like, that sounds awesome. And then I thought about it. I'm like, would I wear those anywhere else? I'm like, wait, no, this, I keep going back and forth. I'm like, this sounds awesome. And then I'm like, sounds kind of weird. And then I mean, it sounds. I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I've yeah. never been more comfortable. Is all I, I don't doubt it. I'm just saying, like, it just sounds strange to to me. I don't know. Well, you know, cool. basketball shorts can get like yeah. sticky when you get sweaty. They don't True. breathe super well. They're also too, they're also too big most of them. They're just too baggy. Yeah. But. They, and like, sometimes they're even like too tight. Right, because they're you know they're not supposed to fall down, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, man. It's pajama shorts. I don't know what to tell you. All right, how about showering in the morning versus in the evening? Evening people who evening people who shower in the evening are psychopaths. Like so, you're wait, not one shower, of people... shower when you wake up, blow dry your hair, go about yeah. your day. You know, clean off the grime from your sleep. If you if you go at the end of the day and you shower, that's honestly, you can do that if you're like, I don't know. If you have, super what if you're a two shower hair, person? What if you're a two shower person? I mean, also crazy. That's just a waste of water. You well, probably shouldn't even shower every day, let alone every two days. Yeah, it's just like I, I did it more when like I have work plus like I have to work out. Like I, I just can't, I don't want to get in bed like okay. covered well, in the, sweat. Okay, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you go work out, you can take a shower. That's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah. you, if you just like, oh, I'm gonna go through all my day, gross. No. Grody. I, you know, people I'm sweat morning, at night, yeah. right? Yeah. People sweat at night. And, like, if you just wake up and go throughout your whole day being gross and then shower and then go to sleep and do it again. Yeah, definitely a morning shower person. Ross? I'm a morning person largely because it's sort of like my cup of coffee in the morning. It just wakes me up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, I I think 
I, I actually enjoy like taking a shower in the evening and then going to bed perfectly clean. But taking like I I agree with Todd that taking two showers a day is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and it's very necessary for me to take a shower to sort of kickstart my day. Few things. When I take the second one, if I take the second one, the shower is under a minute. I'm literally in and out because I'm like, yeah. I don't need to wash my hair. I don't need. To, I just like literally get in, scrub my body yeah, with soap. I'm yeah, the same way. If I've been like out. outside doing stuff yeah. all day, I'll take a quick shower when <laughs> I get home. Two, but it's yeah, it's under five minutes. Todd, did you ever see and or use the shower at Ross's old place, the apartment that had the stairwell up? No, because Ross's place where he lived was unlivable. Yeah, it was unlivable. But like, I stayed Ross, there okay. once. It was it certainly it was wasn't unlivable. unlivable. Okay. Okay. It was so borderline. It, okay, every single person who stayed at your place, Ross, I want I want to ask you point blank. What did they say to you about that place? Well, I had no climate control outside of one room. So oh, yeah. was... climate control. You had no climate control in your upstairs house in June. <laughs> Are you also, fucking kidding me? Have you ever heard me talk about the shower? No. It was made for hobbits. <laughs> Like I would stay in the shower, and the in in the the water was like below my pecs. It was like like it was like into my stomach. When like, he I first had to, like, brought it up squat. to me, I had no idea what he was talking about because I had never questioned it. It was just the perfect height for me. Yeah, because I'm six feet tall, and you're what like five eight, five, five nine? nine. Yeah, it's it, I'm I'm over exaggerating a little bit, but I was just like I have to literally squat to wash my hair in your in your shower. That's how it is in the nook in the dirty nook. <laughs> yeah, we're I know, all right? short. Leave us alone. All right. Uh, Brent says sleeping nude. I'm going to go. I changed this recently in the last few years, probably in the last like four or five years. Massively underrated. It's great. Okay. The sleeping nude. I, part. I do not sleep nude uh, for one reason. Are you uh, a never nude? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So when you have cats, cats <laughs> tend to track cat litter everywhere, including your bed. And that's really gross. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Every single night when I go to bed, I have to like. You know, do the big sweeping arm sweeps where I just like try to knock off as much dust or grime or cat litter or whatever off the bed, off off the sheets. Gotta get a squeegee for your but bed, it, you know. But like, if you lay on, like, you know, that type of material with no clothes on, it just feels like sand. Okay, I can so, see that. I I always sleep like in underwear. I just can't mm. do it. It's it would gross me out too much. But just for everybody at home, just so you know, your fan fiction or whatever. I sleep naked. All right, Ross, go okay, ahead. Buddy. Uh, I'm with Tannen on this one. Is, you're a naked guy? I yeah, yeah. I often sleep in just underwear, but I'll sleep naked too, and it's pretty so, great. I would also like to point out that Tannen is from Louisiana, where it's hot and muggy as shit. Yeah. So sleeping naked is probably fine. And Ross Essential. lived in an, an un-air-conditioned heat box for two fucking <laughs> four years or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Of course you're going to sleep naked, otherwise you're going to just be covered in soaked underwear. I, I only had no air conditioning in that apartment for uh, was it only one year? It might have been two. You're it was only one or two years, and I was there for five. So I had air conditioning for most of the time I was there. For one room, though. Yeah, the room for I just, slept in. For just the one room. So mm. it was just 85 degrees in your living room when people are, you know, trying to stream or draft of course your computer's gonna overheat and die <laughs> all right we're gonna, get, we're gonna get a few more in real quick and then we're gonna get out of here all right chippy says weighted blankets uh i gotta say they're actually i never got it until uh my wife started using one and i think they're underrated because like i would like move over and use it when she got up in the morning and it was actually kind of cool i liked it callie liked hers for a little while but during the summertime she just can't use them so i mm -hmm. would say they're overrated every 
every time I've heard someone talk about them, they've talked glowingly about them. I've never used one, and I'm as I mentioned earlier, not uh, I'm with Todd and like not I don't like to feel super tucked in. So I've never really understood the appeal, but I've also never used them. Okay. Uh, Brent has another one here. Using the same sleeves for multiple decks so they can use the same cards in each deck. It's definitely underrated. You can switch stuff out pretty easily if, you have, if you're have if you one of the people that has like six or seven decks at a time. For tournament play, that can be tough to do, though. Yes, because they are cut you're shuffling from different, different wear patterns on yeah. the sleeves. All I do is play tournaments, so I would say just don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I'd say don't do it, but for, for casual play or for commander players, like if you only own one of an expensive card or whatever, this is an easy way for you to do this without if you're one of those groups that is weird about proxies for some reason uh let's see let's get another like let's get like one more right through here let me see uh trying to find a good one uh okay uh kyle mtg uh breaks says food trucks overrated you think now right but not when they first were a big thing oh when they first were i, I mean even then it's i saw the quality of food has come down quite a bit in most of the ones that i've eaten at recently sure um but the I think the issue largely is like they're usually giving you something that is difficult to eat. You know, unless That's you're ordering something that is handheld. Um like you, and then then you've got to like find somewhere to sit down and eat it. So unless you're at like a, you know, a you know, a place where there's like a bunch of them set up and then they have like tables in the middle, which is basically just an outdoor restaurant at that point and um or you're you know, at like a festival or something, you know, they have their time and place, but the idea of them being like a consistent, um, you know, source of your eating out is strange to me. Well, <clears throat> one thing that uh, I think businesses need to do more is invite food trucks to where you work. Oh right? yeah. On like oh, yeah. schedule a day where, Hey, you come over, you know, we'll just get like, we'll have a hundred people out there or whatever. They're like, okay, fine. That's fine. Uh, in those instances, great. But if you want me to drive somewhere where a food truck is yeah. parked, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to eat outside. It. You know. Now I will say I did. I was taken to a place that had the best Al Pastor tacos I've ever had when I was visiting Los Angeles. I was vi- uh, visiting a friend, and that was great. It was like a huge parking lot where there were two food trucks and there was 800 people buzzing around. This was pre-COVID, and it was like, it was a cool experience. And that, and to me, that's what it means for a food truck. But in reality, it's just a shitty small kitchen in a truck, and it, and you have to eat outside. And that's to me, that's not fun. I, I don't mind eating outside if the weather is nice. That could but be it's enjoyable. In Roanoke. It's but, which is like not, in Roanoke. That's but, not most of the year, though. <laughs> yeah, but often and oftentimes there's like no place to sit down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because they the, don't own a fucking restaurant. Yeah, they're the, a truck. <laughs> <laughs> the best idea I've ever seen in any of this, and this is what I would do if I owned one. There used to be this bar that I would frequent when I was like, this was you know years and years ago, and I would go out a little more, right? And there's this bar that I would frequent, and every night at a certain time, it'd be like from eleven to one in the morning, or whatever. A food truck would come out in front of the bar. Yeah, genius. And, like literal genius and they served uh mostly hand-eaten foods so they had like quesadillas tacos and, like and they had breakfast versions of the stuff so i'm sitting there you know i've got my my munchies on because i've been drinking and shit and they're like you know here's a breakfast burrito or uh one of the ones i used to ask i used to ask them to make me tacos with the taco shell being um uh uh egos like you know they'd make a waffle and so i'd just take the waffle i'd like put the ingredients in it and i'd eat it or whatever because like 
let's be real. When you're getting a little sloppy, you know, you've been drinking a little bit. That food's just the best food. Like, it's why people like Waffle House. You know, yeah. I, I can say this when you hear it's, it. It makes that food better. I like Waffle House because it's delicious. Yeah. I was going to say, if you had anyone else besides me and Ross on, someone would be like, eh, Waffle House? Uh, you mean the place where I go to go at 3 in the morning and there's 87 people who are drunk <laughs> and all the staff is super rude because everyone's drunk? Shut up. You mean Southern Hibachi, just is what go, I like to call it? Just, <laughs> <laughs> just if you want, look, if you want the true Waffle House experience, you know who gets the good shifts at Waffle House? The people who are good at their job. Yeah. So if you go at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, you're going to have probably some of the best service you've ever had. They're going to have the cook that's probably the most experienced because those people get to pick their own shifts. And if you go at... Three in the morning, you're gonna have you know the waiter, the waiter that's 19 years old. You're gonna have the chef who's brand new and he is backlogged by 40 orders and he's just trying to just get through the night. Yeah, try to survive. And so everyone's opinion of Waffle House is extremely colored because they only go there at three in the morning when they're drunk. Sure, it's a good point. All right, I think that's gonna be it for today's episode. I'd like to extend a special thank you to you, Todd. Thanks oh, so much thanks. for being on the show. No problem. And yeah, you make it a lot easier on us when you know. Hey, might as well bring in the format guy. If we're gonna talk about that format today. So uh, I know we mentioned a couple of times in the show, but just so everybody at home has it from one spot. Where can they see you, and where can they get more of your stuff? Uh, so I'm Tandy on most platforms. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash Tandy. Uh, God damn, I keep forgetting. So some of them are Tandy MTG and some of them are Tandy. But it's twitch.tv slash Tandy, patreon.com slash Tandy, and twitter.com slash Tandy MTG. Those are my three main places where you can find me. I have a YouTube channel that's uh, Tandy MTG uh, where I post up all my VODs from uh, from my Pioneer Leagues where I do well. And then um, and that's about it. I write articles on my Patreon that are free for everyone to read. So even if you don't want to contribute to the Patreon itself, that's fine. Uh, but you can still go there and read my my words on the format. And I will be writing something this week on uh, probably the banning of Express Federation in Winota and some ideas on what to what decks to look out for in the near future. But if you are enjoying some of the content, if you do ingest any form of content from Todd, make sure you are at least giving something that patreon so you can keep doing what he loves to do and then I mean, you get more stuff in the future yeah i mean at least drop drop my dollar you know what i mean yeah. ross where can people see and hear more of you uh i'm at ross hunnids on twitter um and i am ross underscore miriam on twitch uh so if you want to drop me a follow on either of those for now uh and as i've said for a while the stream will come back don't worry but i am worried <clears throat> Yeah, we're gonna have a talk about that after the, the podcast is over. Just saying so you that. Know. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. As for me, uh, my name's Tannen Grace. You can find me on most platforms under that or the Tannen Grace. And uh, don't really stream much anymore, so I don't expect that to come back anytime soon. But you can follow me on Twitter if you want to find out all the the magic, flesh and blood, and random baseball stuff that you want. That's usually what's going on there. So, but everybody, thanks for listening uh, to this week's episode of MTG Rants, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye.